The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Hello, everyone. This is Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and this is episode 23 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the beautiful, the talented Latina Locked and Loaded, my wonderful wife, uh, Johanna. And today we have a special guest, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Dixie. Uh, How are you doing today, KD? Pleasure to have you. Oh, man, you're too kind, first of all, and I'm doing just fine. (laughs) How are you guys? We're doing, doing fantastic. Good. Happy Sunday, y'all. Mm-hmm. Happy so, Sunday. It is great. Sunday it is. There you so go. I feel like this is coming uh, uh, full circle because the very first time that, that I was ever, I don't even know what to call it, on air speaking publicly um, was on an episode of Katie's Stogies and Straps, which is his IG live show he does. And That's right. a lot of you guys know I've uh, been open about how shy I am or I used to be. And that was actually, if anyone watched it, I was tripping all over my words that day. And um, But I wanted to thank you because that was a really cool experience. I was really, really nervous for that. And what is that, like six months later, here you are, a guest on our podcast. So That's really Man, cool. Check that out, right? How awesome is that? Mm-hmm. Look at you. And it's awesome. I'm glad to see the... I'm happy to see the growth. It's it's always nice to be able to sit behind the scenes. I know I'm not very active as far as commenting on stuff, but that doesn't mean I don't see things. So it's good to really see you guys growing. I mean, look what you've done in such a short amount of time. I and mean, it's pretty uh pretty impressive. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we really appreciate it. Let me get some housekeeping out of the way before we start getting into the conversation. So as everybody knows, uh, we are part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Uh, where you can find all your pro-freedom podcasts like the Polite Society podcast, Gun Freedom Radio, uh, Riding Shotguns with Charlie, and uh, Self-Defense Gun Stories with uh, with our good friend who's usually in the chat, uh, somebody that KD may be familiar with, uh, Tony Simon. <laughs> so, Never heard of her. <laughs> so the, the uh, what, what is he? Is he's a gun bunny or something, right? I think that's what he does. Yeah, he's a, a gun bear is what he is. <laughs> so go ahead and check out the Self-Defense Radio Network for a lot of other freedom-minded podcasts. And, uh, and yeah, including, uh, including some of our friends. So now that we've got that, uh, Kevin Dixie, uh, obviously you are part of the No Other Choice uh, Firearms Training. Uh, that's an organization that you started. Uh, how did you let's let's cut to the chase. How did you start uh, no other choice? How did you get into firearms and uh, and go down the instructor path? What really inspired you? OK, well, they're from the instructor path of it. Uh, I took a job. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I took a job with the St. Louis City Police Department when I was a, a pup. I was 21 years old. I worked in a division called prisoner processing. So that's what I did. I dealt with prisoners. Um, and part of uh, firearms training was a part of that. The funny story is uh, when I walked into the PD, 
and told them they were going to hire me. And like, that's what I did. Like I walked in and told them what they were going to do. Right. It's kind of funny. Um, but it worked because a week later I was, I was there. Right. And I didn't read any of the documentation. I didn't care. Just, you know, here it is. Take a blood sample, do the background check. Let's get this thing going. So I skipped over the part that says you, uh, you're going to have to learn fire. I ain't, well, I ain't care. I was just like, yo, I want to be, I want to be in the, in the police forces, get this thing cracking. So uh, when we went down to the, to the Academy, I walked into this room and there were a lot of, a lot of guns, uh, only three different models, but just a lot of them. And I just like literally started drooling, dude. Like there's no other way to say how I responded. Like I literally had to do the, okay. Right. <laughs> and then immediately, um, I got chin checked. And I say that because the individuals that were standing at the front of the classroom, welcoming us in, it was five of them. The baby of the bunch had 30 years experience with, uh, training. He was the baby. Everybody else was 32, 35, 37, uh, various um, measurements from there. Um, and they were very stone-faced. They believed in doing things right. But at the same time, we were also just going to be a no, another bunch of people. They pushed through, qual, get out of here, right? I'm like, all right. So when we go out there and we shoot the guns, I'm like, I'm that guy that's, hey, why did it go bang? It's like, because you, you, cause you pulled the trigger. Well, how does the trigger make it go bang? Mm-hmm. How fast is this going? Why did you tell me to stand like that? Why are these guns different sizes? What's that one called? Why do you keep saying action? What does that mean? What's an action? I was that guy. And at mm-hmm. first it was very annoying. Very annoying. They're like, just shoot the holes in the paper. We can get you the hell out of here. But I'm like, no, no, sir. I need to know because this is just, it's, it's, it's too fun. I need to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so I, I became addicted to the, the, the gun then. and became a student of the gun. And so I did. I stalked everybody. If you knew anything about guns, I was on your ass, period. I wanted to know. I wanted to know why I did what it did, how it did what it did, and what other mythologies came with it. So I stalked the guys at the range, right, <laughs> until they gave me information. And eventually they loosened right on up. They're like, okay, this kid really wants to know. He's not just another guy coming in, calling in and walking away. Like, he really wants to know. Um, so that led me to meeting a lot of officers that had a true passion for, for the gun. Right. And so we would always have conversations and it led to me, you know, taking other training outside of the PD. Um, eventually, I got invited out with the HRT team, which is the, our version of SWAT, um, not to be a member or anything, but just to, to train with them and shoot the different guns. And that's when I became in love. I, I, I came I became to be a big fan and fell in love with this little gun called the MP5. <laughs> and um, yeah, when I shot it, I'm like, yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, I was HK. I'm like, who makes that? They're like, Hercule and Coke. I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever that company is, is awesome. Um, I just became a student of the gun. Um, I, I stay with not teaching anyone how to do anything with a firearm for right about, I'm going to say probably two years, to be fair, before I ever tried to really translate the information. Um, and then when I did, for a, for quite a while, it was just about, you know, hot stove method, you know. Hey, pointing it, it just all the safety rules. I wasn't trying to be an instructor. I just wanted to teach people how to be safe with them. I would take people to shoot, but I wasn't instructing them, right? To be totally honest with you, uh, I use it as a way to go on uh, dates with pretty girls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, you know, like, <laughs> hey, hey, you want to go shoot? You know, and, and and but from there, what I realized is I was actually good at teaching, right? Like, and people were actually learning. So uh, the word got around that I could instruct and I was fairly decent at it. And so the guys that I was learning from, if they were busy, they would just send people my way. Cadets that were worried about calling out the academy and stuff like that. 
some of their uh, family members, they'd be like, hey, just go to this guy. You know, he can get you squared away. And I'm like, all right, what do I do with these people? So eventually I just um, said, all right, well, I need a syllabus because I am kind of an educator by trade. I mean, I like teaching things. I was like, all right, I need a syllabus. So then I had to get with people who learn how to, you know, do a syllabus, learn about how the uh, adult mind works, how it thinks, how it picks up information, get into the science of the of, of the stuff. Did that. And then um, I started training. And then the name No Other Choice comes from, you know, in my position and what, what I used to do when I did for 10 years of my life, my position was to deal with the worst of the worst. That's what I did. All right. That's what I got paid to do. And sometimes, though, it, people weren't bad. They were good people that made bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And I realized that these people making bad decisions were thinking that self-defense was common sense. And I tell people it's anything but that, right? You have to understand the nuances of the law. You have to understand a position, the political climate at the time. Like, these are all things you have to understand. And I just kept looking like, well, there has to be a balance. There are real monsters in the world. I've dealt with them, the murderers, the rapists, the, you know, the worst of the worst, you know, I've dealt with them face to face. So I'm like, okay, I can't pretend to tell people that these, these individuals don't exist. At the same time, how can I keep good people from making irrational decisions and finding themselves in my custody? So I was like, you know, I just sat there and I was like, well, they need to understand that they have to be at a point of no other choice. And then boom, it just started. So the philosophy mm -hmm. of no other choice is extend, um, we, you know, we don't use them, obviously. The name kind of speaks for itself. But extend God's grace and mercy to others as you will want to extend it to you, even if they are doing something that warrants you to uh, to harm them. Make sure you're at the point of no other choice. You know, we all need God's grace and mercy extended to us in our lives, right? I've done things that I could be dead for, you know. Um, and I wanted to make sure that people understood. I don't want to see you harmed. So as long as you are not allowing yourself or another innocent person to be hurt in the process, mm -hmm. Extend grace where grace can be extended. If they continue to push the envelope and someone outside of the bad guy is going to get hurt, then I'm going to teach you how to do this, do this thing, do it effective, do it well, and do it with, with precision, surgical almost, right? Um, because at that point, the threat needs to be stopped because you've already extended the grace and tolerance to that individual that needs to be extended. And that's what I wanted to uh, teach people. I didn't want to teach them, hey, murder, death, kill, and things like that. And that's before I even thought about advocacy. That was just about, hey, yeah, we carry these things, but how can we keep good people out of trouble and mm -hmm. uh, make sure that good people are also ready to deal with the bad people? And that's how it started. So you were a student of the gun and you were young and 21 working in law awesome. enforcement. Um, at what point did you decide that you wanted to go into the route of training others? Well, when I, when I got the name and uh, I, I saw that, you know, when I actually started putting on classes, you know, and this is, my God, this is so long ago. Um, I got to putting on classes mm -hmm. and I'm kind of using people as experiments, right? Like, I don't, I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying to get it together. But then when I figured out, okay, because I have so many great talented people coaching me, that, yeah, I'm in a position to do it. And so I said, all right, I want to go ahead and not just be the dude that your your brother sent you to or your uncle sent you to or, you know, you ran across. I want to do this thing right. And so in 2013, I LLC, right, and said, okay, I'm actually going to do this, run this as a business. And I did. So when I officially LLC is when I really start ramping up the training, right? So 
it started off with, I tell everybody, start off with handguns. Um, I didn't do anything but handguns. That's, that's all I focus on. I was shooting rifles. I understood carbines, but I'm a big fan of saying you need to be damn near a master at something before you try to translate that information. And I was nowhere close to being a master with the carbine. And I still don't mm-hmm. pretend to be a master now. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm good. I'm really good. But I'm not a Oh, I think, uh, yeah, let's see if we can get him back here. Or his, While you're uh, doing that, I was going to say that. Okay. Oh, he's back? Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Say, yeah, we actually, got him. Uh, All right. That actually sounds really close to home in terms of, of you wanting to master something. I wanted to say, uh, Roland and I have been talking about getting um, certified as, as trainers. We've, we've both trained people in, in close to us um, in pistols and just kind of like freelance, uh, just teaching people a little bit about rifles. But um, one of my, my biggest, I remember I was texting a friend who's a trainer, and one of the things I said is, how do you know when you're ready? And mm-hmm. I guess you're never really ready, and the point is that would be an idea that always you guys keep as instructors is you have to constantly be a student. Um, but that doesn't mean don't get started. That's what a friend of mine told me. So for anybody out there, thinking uh, on the fence like I am on the fence. Just jump in and do it. But keep studying. <laughs> Sorry, Katie, yeah. go for it. No, you're totally fine. I, you know, and I agree with that. You know, and I get it, right? We, we, what we, when people have a good passion in their heart, they want to share it, right? And I know there's, there, mm-hmm. there's this balance of, hey, everybody wants to be an instructor. And I have stopped calling myself an instructor. I consider myself a coach. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants to be an instructor. And there's a balance to that, right? There's the the people that take it serious that are tired of everybody having the same title they have and they work 30 years to get it, which you have to understand, like they put a lot of blood, sweat and tears and time mm-hmm. into their, their field and their, their development and their craft. They made a crap ton of mistakes. Right. And so it's like, oh, I can have 10, 15 years sunk into this thing and somebody else can come along in five months and, and hold and think they hold the same weight and the same title. So we have to understand, like the professional frustration with that, because another career mm-hmm. person can't do that if you're a doctor you're a doctor i can't decide next last thursday i wanted to be one and it just happens yep. right there's an entire process that i have to go through so we have to be a little sensitive to people that really really care about the craft um and then at the same time we also have to be sensitive to the people that want to share and translate good information they really want to do the right thing and i believe that the balance there is to just make sure that they're they're trained up and adequate and that you are not going beyond your measure. If you feel like you're at a 10, right? The scale of one to 10. If you feel like you're at a 10 with a thing um, and you don't really have years sunk in, I would say don't teach people past two, right? Mm-hmm. Because you really, you with, with firearms and self-defense, you are literally playing with people's lives. Yep. You know, it, it is, it's very important that, and that person is really going to have you, like you could be the person they go to for everything. And if you, if you give them not questionable advice, oh, well, this instructor says do it this way. That instructor says do it that way. That's part of life, right? But when you are dealing with someone who might, you know, take out a firearm the next day and use it, you know, you better make sure you tell them the right thing. And I only bring that up because that's a real life story of, uh, you know, my training platform, myself and a couple other instructors, Ken Scott, Dustin Plu. You know, we trained a student and he left the event. And before he could change clothes, he had to use his gun in self-defense and kill a guy. Wow. Right. So that's before he could even change clothes. And that was in defense of his five year old son and him and a third party. Less than 24 hours after training with the same clothes on. Take it out to trash. Right. But he was able to win that fight. And he credits, you know, 
he credits the information he received at training from us. So we have to take what we are doing very serious because you don't know when somebody's going to need to use it. Um, and it's, it's, it's real cute to say I took people out to the range and tra trained them. It's not going to be as cute if you found out that you taught somebody the wrong thing and they suffered as a consequence, right? Whether they lost the fight because of lack of skills or they found themselves in legal troubles because of lack of skill and application of such skills. So I want to see everybody translate and good, get, good, give good information. I would just challenge everyone to stop and invest in yourself seriously. Get out there, get with other trainers, get different philosophies, make mistakes, put on demo classes, right? So start a class up. You guys want to train people? Say, hey, this training class is free. We're putting it on to get feedback and invite instructors mm -hmm. and say, hey, this is free because we want your feedback and then run the class and use that feedback uh, to go out and, and push further and be better. So when you do give that information to everybody in your community, everybody that's relying on you to be the expert, you know that you have poured into yourself, not just good intentions, but also good information. So you can translate that information to make sure we're educating the minds and the bodies of individuals that are trusting us for that, for such guidance. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. No, that's great. That's definitely a, a great feedback right there. And it's something that I've heard from a lot of other good instructors that they're constantly, uh, you know, working their craft with one another, going to each other's classes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it on your feed all the time between, uh, I mean, we've got uh, Rob is in the chat right now. Um, you know, I see, obviously you guys take each other's classes. Everybody gives one another feedback. Uh, you're always trying to stay up to date with, you know, whatever is going on in the industry, the newest, whether it's equipment or tactics or, or, uh, you know, new ways of thinking or adapting to scenarios that maybe something happened and you guys saw, and it's pretty awesome to see the, the collaboration. You, it's not just a competition because obviously everybody wants their own piece of the pie, I mean, you're in business, but uh, to see that level of collaboration to pretty much improve the craft for everybody, I think is pretty awesome. And that's something that I've seen more in this industry than a lot of others uh, that have to do with training, you know, of any sort. So I think that's pretty, uh, that's pretty encouraging, at least with the people that we've been exposed to. I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that just do whatever the heck they want and, you know, like anything else. But, I got to you know, say something. Tony's in the yeah. chat. He just came yeah. in and he wanted to say he's late to the show. I love this guy. Hello, Colio Noir. <laughs> no, <he's> such... <laughs> I hate Tony. I hate that guy. And Pete from Carolina Custom Foam uh, jumped in and said, no, that's Argo Jay's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, these guys. Uh, I knew it was going to happen. They find you and harass you. Can't even mm -hmm. help these dudes, man. It's crazy. Uh, the, the 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 thing I would the last thing I would say about the tra <laughs> the training aspect of it is um it doesn't mean because you don't have a title you shouldn't be taking people out to shoot, mm -hmm. right? Because you're still going to be an advocate. You're still going to be an expert to them. Let's be honest, right? You could just yep. know how to do a grip, sight presentation, or pressing the trigger. Well, to them, that's like. Oh, my God, you can show me things. Right. So we have yep. to understand that that doesn't mean because you don't wear a title, you shouldn't be getting people out to the range, going with them, having fun, showing them things. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that you're not because to them you are. Right. Yep. It just means uh, I'm saying that before we open up to say, hey, we're going to invite people across the country. Or we're going to travel and stuff like yep. that. Then there's a measurement that needs to come in. But everybody. Now, I tell people that all the time. The moment you show somebody something, if they're asking you for your advice about that thing. 
you're probably their go-to source of information, no matter what it is, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, take that in kind. And I say that because I, I people should take it serious, right? If you're going to be translating information to somebody that's, that's going to be absorbing it, take it serious. doesn't mean you need a title. So I know some people that translate information awesome, and they don't have any titles to go along with it. They're just naturally great teachers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And vice true. versa. I saw this in the chat. Just because someone's proficient in a skill doesn't mean that they'd be able to translate that skill to others. And that's just oh, yeah. people are there's just people skills and communication skills. Some people have it and some people don't. Yep. So. Oh, you know, I'd be remiss too, and you're absolutely right, uh, Joe. I, I tell people that all the time. There are and I look, I've been that I've been that student in a class where like, all right, this dude's got this super cool resume, been there, done that, you know, and I didn't learn anything. And I'm a guy that asks a lot of questions because I want to know. And, I could, I, and I've been there before and I couldn't learn anything. So I'm like, yeah, I learned early on that just because you have the skill doesn't mean you can translate. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just doesn't make you the best teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you spoke of collaboration, I, I would, you know, what I want everybody to know is, you know, my own heartfelt emotions about it is this. You can't train everybody. Mm-hmm. One person can't do it all, right? So this, you know, being a collaboration to me is comes natural because I believe what God has for me, he has for me. I'm not I'm not really worried about what somebody else is doing. Um, and if if I can even be a student in one of my you know associates classes or my friends classes, I'll gladly go do it. It doesn't it doesn't make me look less than. And I think that that gets to people a little bit. Their egos get involved. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I can't go take a class from this guy because then that means that the Internet is going to believe I don't know as much as him. Well, so what if you don't? Right. Let's be mm-hmm. honest about things. You know, and I use I use Rob Rob Pincus as an example all the time. Rob has been uh, literally and I call him an old, old man all the time to his face. And he texts, you know, he's an old dude. Right. <laughs> but Rob has been teaching people um, uh, self-defense measures since before I shot my first gun professionally. You know, so there is going to be information and that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with everything he says, but there's going to be information he has that I don't have. A lot of the, the training books I read are from like the 70s. Because I wanted to see how it evolved, right? But this is knowledge from guys that have been doing this stuff a really, really long time. So it doesn't make you less than thou. It just says you're smart enough to know what you don't know and seek out mm-hmm. that information for people that have it. That's it. That's it. Never be afraid to go train with another another instructor. Matter of fact, I would honestly say this. If you go to somebody for information and knowledge in anything and they don't go refresh their information and knowledge from other sources, I will be very skeptical of working with them. That's just me. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Kind of on that, uh, gun websites in the chat. Uh, he has a question. If uh, if you've no, not tried, Rob, Cor- if you've Cor- not tried uh, to Cor- reteach Cor- what Cor- you've Cor- learned, have you really learned it? Said he's old AF in the chat. Yep, there you go. So that's on the same token. <laughs> he's old. So man. did you have? You I'm know, sorry, Joe. I, I did you have something to say about your? I'm a student. I'm a constant student. Right. Like I love that. learning things. Things that I do outside of the gun realm. I'm, I'm always I'm involved heavily in business. I got a, I got a business background too, so I'm involved heavily <laughs> in business. I study things and, and different markets and trends, and I'm a, a part of these different networks. And I just love learning. It's just so fun to learn. But I also am the weird kid that likes school too. So that is what it is. But I just love learning, and I love learning from people that if they if you if you laid it out on the table, they'll say, yeah, my resume is is impressive. But at the same time, they don't 
they don't just ride on that resume. They're still mm-hmm. about they want students to challenge them, right? So I'm like the ultimate student for that because you say something I don't get it. I'm not the dude to stand in the background like you know how everybody's like yeah we're just gonna pretend like we know it because we, nobody wants to admit that they don't. Like I'm the guy that will ask you all the questions because I mm-hmm. want to know, and we should all get to that point. I, I just enjoy learning. I don't think that anybody should be in competition with anybody. Look, I tell people all the time, and and it's it's not it's not glamour uh, making anything glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's just speaking the truth. Um, I've had plenty of ample students, from law enforcement students to regular civilians, that have had to hold people at gunpoint, do their job with a gun on people, and get stuff done, and have uh, thanked me for what I showed them. And then it was like the last year and a half, four students out of nowhere. I had four students kill people. Four of them out of nowhere, the last year and a half, right? And so what was humbling to me is when I got the first call, because right then and there, I could have stopped. I could have stopped teaching. I've done my job. Now, the guns have always saved lives, but this was the first time I openly had somebody let me say, where I, well, no, it's not. It's the first time I had that many in a row wow. that actually called me and are like, yo, I've, I've done this thing. I heard your voice when this was happening. I made a mistake. I heard your voice autocorrect me. I was able to control myself. I, I was watching my, well, I wasn't watching it, but I was paying attention to my footwork. I was in the zone. I did the job, I, and I'm alive. And guess what? I'm not in prison, right? Because of the philosophy, no other choice. You know, remember, extend it, be graceful. And so, yeah, it's, I, I'm glad that I went and learned from other people throughout the years. Because guess what? If I wouldn't have been full of myself, I might have translated some information to these people that was useless. And then they get out there and they lose that fight instead <laughs> because I had an ego and said, well, no, nah, I'm going to pretend like I know it all. So, no, no, take this stuff is serious. It should be taken seriously because it, get that phone called where you know you gave some bad information and that student loses that fight. See how you sleep at night. Yeah. Right, so take and see his people, and then smile and go have a stogie. Yeah, we're gonna talk about your stogies in a little bit too. Um, But I wanted to ask: Have you ever had to use your skills to protect your life, or Mm -hmm. not yet? Hopefully, never. Um, (laughs) Yes. So, oh man. Um, (laughs) All right. Work aside, like take the job out of it. Um, Just in my personal life. I mean, man, I, I used to be a guy that was really into cars. I had a lot of nice cars. Um, and I had a, life, a lot of nice cars, and I stayed in impoverished areas, right? So they drew a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So I've been the attempted victim, I would say, of no less than seven or eight carjackings, um, three or four armed robberies. And the one that uh, means the most to me, though, um, I'm not a person that's scared of a fight. You know, I don't say that to be tough. Wow. I just, I grew up as a fighter. I'm not scared of conflict. I'm smart enough to avoid it. I don't want it. I'm just not scared of it. Uh, so that, that stuff to me, it was, you know, and I grew up in a slum. So to me, it was like, yeah, it happened. I'm glad I have this skill set, but all right, buy your bag of Skittles and go ahead about your day because this is just another part of life uh, where I grew up. However, one particular time uh, that sticks out to me more than any time is um, my wife and kids. So we were meeting at a, a, in a, a gas station to, for, for, I believe she can take the kids home. We were out doing something. She was on one side of the town. I was on the other. And we were meeting up at a midway point to do some things where I could go a place and she can go back home with the, with the kids. So we were meeting up to do something. <clears throat> and I time things very well because I'm very observant and I, I like to have things on the schedule and structure. And I didn't want her at this meeting place by herself. So she pulls up at the gas station. 
and she's just getting out about to pump some gas. And I'm sitting at a red light. I'm just across the street from the gas station. And I see this guy, um, and this is why situational awareness is important, from across the street at the gas station. Um, and he's got a, a, a old school Buick Century four-door, um, no hubcaps on it. In the state of Missouri, you have to have a front and a rear license plate. This car was pretty old and dated to be something you just went and bought with a temporary tag. You have to put it into the rear window. So I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it's not a good chance that this car has a temp tag in the window that I can't see. Uh, but he does not have a front plate on his vehicle. The vehicle is tucked into the corner away from everybody else. This is about 75 degrees outside. This guy has on a winter coat, um, some pretty heavy dicky pants, and he keeps looking up. That's all just looking across the street. That's why situational awareness is so important. And when he was looking up and moving kind of weird through the, the post or the pillars, if you will, of the gas station, um, there was, I'm like, what is, why is he doing, then it hit me, oh, he's looking for cameras, all right? He's looking for cameras. And he's probably 50 feet, maybe 60 feet mm -hmm. from my family. And I got my window down, radio off, window down. I want to be able to hear him. And I hear him yelling uh, at my wife, hey, you got some change. Now, in, in, in St. Louis City, we had a problem with uh, roughly 80 to 90 percent of our panhandling turned into robberies of some sort. Right. And I understood that. So I'm like, all right, I'm looking and looking at traffic, you know, and I'm about to run this red light. And then I hear him say, you know. Hey, hey, and he called out her name. You, you got some money. And she looked and she immediately knew she was in danger. And all she could do is open the door and jump in the back seat with the kids and cover the children. Like she has grabbed the kids and covered them up. And so at that time, I looked left, I looked right, and I, I shot. Uh-oh, we got action? <laughs> no, that was the cat. I thought somebody came in the front door like, get him! <laughs> um, so, ooh, I got excited there for a minute. So I shoot, through the, I shoot through the red light. I get to the parking lot. I take my SUV, and I angle it at a way. And this is all about paying attention. I come around the front of her vehicle, and I angle my vehicle at a, like a slash, yes, like a forward slash angle. Uh, between him and her immediately and <laughs> <No>. he <laughs> then is walking around um walking around the truck and i'm watching him and then he starts the the waistband action right starts the waistband action and he's going to pre present his gun and when he clears the, the the edge of the truck that's when you know i got him i got him at gunpoint i'm focused on him and i gave him an option you know and he chose to live so i saw the handle i saw the gun being presented as soon as he came around that corner, he saw me, he saw my movements, he saw my actions. He let go of the gun, right? The gun is still hanging in his waist, man. He lets go of the gun, hands go up in the air. And, you know, he's like, ah, oh, I wasn't even going to rob y'all. I'm like, what? Like, what the? Yes, you were, you know? And and from the way he was talking to her, I don't think that was just going to be a robbery as brazen as he was going to be. I personally feel in my heart that was going to be a robbery murder. That's what I felt that was going to be, just looking at this guy. He was clearly uh, tweaking, you know, and... He uh, he ran, you know, he ran and he got into his uh, the vehicle and he shot off the parking lot. And I'm following him, you know, not with the gun guns at the low ready, but I'm watching him <laughs> off the parking lot and show sure as as I believe um, had a legal tent on the window. No temp tag, no license plates on the car. All right. So uh, we knew we had a problem. Now, in that moment, a lot of people will wonder, well, if he started to present a gun, why didn't you shoot him? And here's the thing. My son at the time was about six years old. And he had slipped out of his mom's arm and got on his knees in the back seat and was looking out the back window, right? So, granted, by all legal purposes, right, if you just look at the letter of the law, I could have shot that guy right there in the parking lot. Nobody would have missed him. 
it would have been open shut case, but it would have been nothing to talk about. However, that split second he took to make the decision to give up and run away was graceful for more than a reason. Me shooting him wasn't going to be the big deal. But I got my six-year-old son that's going to watch some guy's brains fly out of his head, and he watched daddy do it. If I can avoid that, I'm going to avoid that. All right? And so all those things have to come into play when we think about, you know, self-defense and defending your family. But that is the mo- that is the one time that me having a firearm was the most important time of my life because it just wasn't about protecting me. It was about protecting them. And it was at that moment that I realized that actually having this gun is more important than I ever thought for whatever reasons I ever gave in my life, advocacy or whatever. It was never more important than when my wife had to shield my kids from a guy that was going to attack them with a gun. I got a daughter that is still in a pumpkin seat. I got a son that's six years old. I got a frightened wife. And I was able to keep evil away from them because I was armed. All right. So that's going to be the one time I'm going to say that, you know, deploying a gun in real world situation is the most meaningful Despite all the other crap I've been through, despite who I've had to chase, despite who I've yeah, all that meant nothing. Keeping my family safe meant everything. Well, let's just say I had never had a problem getting approval to buy another gun. Um, <laughs> and, and she, after that, you know, my wife was um, not never anti-gun. It's never been her thing. She just didn't have an opinion. Right. Like, oh. eh. and so obviously, you know, being uh, how did your, you know, how'd your wife handle the situation afterwards? Did we lose him? <laughs> I made her, I made her sweat it out a little bit. And then I told her, but she was fine with it. Obviously having children mm-hmm. it's about, Hey, as long as we're safe and they're locked up and yep. you know, we're, we're all good to go. But after that, she took it serious. She's like, okay, I want to go. Oh. I want to be more efficient. Um, I don't want to... Did we lose your sound, Katie? I think we lost your sound there. Listen, what if you weren't going up, right? And it's oh. just letting her come to it. I didn't yell at her and say, this is why I told you you need to get... No. I let her kind of think think through it herself. Mm-hmm. And then it resulted in her saying, okay, uh, yes, I want to go ahead and get my concealed carry permit. Oh. Now, mind you, I I certify people to carry at this point, right? I have been certified people for years, and I hadn't even certified my wife because I didn't want to push it on. I wanted, I wanted her to make that decision. And after that, she, about a month later, she was like, okay, I want to do this. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, we're buying guns that she didn't need, but whatever. It was an excuse to buy a gun. So she wanted a gun. She wanted this. She wanted that. She wanted to be safe. Um, and since then, she's um, she's not a person that goes out to the range and shoots all the time. Wow. But she is a person that takes herself to make serious. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought these died for a second. What did you say? Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's the way I, um, that's the, the most important time or the one time that guns were uh, very relevant, very to important to me. Uh, I think the I, headset um, still has the mic because you yeah, dropped down yeah, a lot. So. right here defending your family. But if you. It gets no realer than that. It, it cut out for a second, but it's good to go now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really when it uh, when it finally hits home. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, you you got into firearms first 
uh, through your job. You thought it was awesome. Then you started instructing people. When did when did you start deciding that you wanted to get into advocacy, or were you already uh, obviously? And we can go into this. You 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 you're a student of history, and uh, and you're also not just a student. You obviously teach history to to, to a lot of people that are. Uh, that are always willing to listen, that are willing to listen or sometimes unwilling to listen. <laughs> um, but uh, because they're not necessarily always happy to hear the truth. So let's go down a little bit of that path. How did you get into advocacy? When did your passion for history begin and how did you kind of incorporate you know all saying, that ask question, uh, together uh, like, to really I teach mean, history um, and, and to throw that into advocacy and, you know, really get your point across? And some of it was or did you learn history and you and you kind of realize the big picture yourself? I, I, and I just you're like, you know what? This is something I need to teach people like, because why do I live in one of the worst neighborhoods in the world? Why why are we? Why is death and murder? Why is this? Where is this coming from? Why? Why is this a thing? Right? This is me at 13 years old. Like, why? Why is this a thing? And I decided to start looking into it, man. So I, I want to know. I, I want to know how we got to this point. You know, I want to know more about the world. I want to know what happened. I want to know. And what occurred was, um, I did. I started, you know, going to the library. I was a kid that would walk up to the library. It was about two and a half blocks from my house. I would walk up to the library. I would read. This is after I've done my studies for school. And I would read. because so I'm like, if I stay out on the, on the block, I'm probably going to wind up in something. So let me just walk up to the library, hang out for a few hours, read. Uh, when my mom um, couldn't come get me in time from work and I had to uh, hang out to school sometimes for three or four hours, I would hang out in the library, uh, even, even when we lived in a different place. And I would just read books. And I'm not saying I comprehended everything I was reading, but I just wanted to read. And I started putting stuff together. So I started off in my own neighborhood, if you will, as a little civil rights advocate, right? As a little men mentor to people my age and even older than me, right? That's how I started off. And I realized that paying attention to the civil rights of individuals um, and, and understanding how to, how to, I don't know, kind of break the political poison, if you will, um, could really benefit us to fixing other things, mental, mental health, you know, even the way down to the way that we eat and the food that we serve, you know, not having grocery stores around and we're, and we're having to eat all these preservatives and even going to check cash in places. I'm like, why does everybody else in the world have a bank account? And we keep going to the corner store where we get, we get a steak to, to get our money for our paychecks. Like this is just me as a little brain, just, just trying to think this stuff through. And when I decided to, you know, start telling people about how great, um, how the great lessons, I'm sorry, that we can learn from history and how great, our people are and you're like, damn it, man, this is not what we're supposed to be. We, we have to do better than this. This is not the way it is. And from my own uh, continuous education, I was like, OK, I'm going to talk about this. I'm not just going to be, you know, another guy that's like, well, it's just the way it is. Just another day in the hood. We're trying to survive. No, you know, and that was my attitude. No, absolutely not. That's not acceptable. That's not OK. And so I tried to inspire and, and, and study more myself. And then I, I found myself having these conversations with local politicians. I found myself having conversations with men that were 50 or 60 years old, sitting on their front porch. Other kids are sometimes up the street doing whatever they're doing. And I'm sitting on Mr. Jones' porch and we're talking. And he's telling me about his life. And he's telling me about how the factories used to be here and how people made a good living and uh, what transpired in history and what what political figures did this and what they what they hid from us and like I just wanted to know man I just wanted to know um, and I decided that I wanted to try to change the landscape of the world that's what I wanted to do starting off with my local community and then when I took the job at the PD what occurred was 
uh, when we went to do the gun stuff, I'm like, hold on. So I shot the guns and stuff like that. Well, it wasn't that long after um, I was standing, I was standing down. Um, what was that? I think I was at the D cell um, and a patrolman came in and he was uh, just talking to me. We were probably talking about guns more than likely. And he said the Second Amendment. And I, I knew what the Second Amendment was, but he was bringing up uh, what incident was he talking about? Oh, man, I think we might have been talking about the bonus marchers, honestly. And we started talking about the Second Amendment, and then it was just an epiphany that hit me. I'm like, holy crap. All the history that I've been studying, and not that I've even gotten 5% of it in my brain, but all the history that I've been studying, you know how it all happens? And I just never put two and two together. People can never defend themselves. And then I started going back and, and, and looking through it. I'm like, gun laws, gun control laws. I started looking at the times and dates and history. And I'm like, holy crap. I started digging more. We had gun control laws known as black codes before we even had a country? I started digging through more. And the next thing you know, I'm like, what I'm trying to convince people to do is effortless. If, A, we don't understand how this, this thing called gun control, that is a cancer to this thing called the Second Amendment, how it affected us and how we got into the position we were, and how do you defend everything else you're working for? So what if I do get everybody right now to turn their, their lives around and start doing great? Evil is still going to exist in the world. Well, how do we defend ourselves from it? And then when you're telling me you can have this or have that, because I became gun aware during the 1994 crime bill. I was, I was a gun guy during the assault weapons ban. Well, I'm like, well, who the hell are you to tell me what I should have and what I shouldn't have? Well, I shouldn't have that. And then I started looking further in the history and I started studying. When were people told they can own certain guns and they couldn't? Black Wall Street was a great example of it. You had to go through all kind of different paperwork and stuff to get a gun that everyone else had. So I'm like, oh crap. When you limit what people can have, it's the illusion of freedom. It's not true freedom. It's the illusion that you can defend yourself when we really know that you can't. That's why they want to control what arms you have a means to, because I'm like, then I start asking, I'm like, hey, but we have assault weapons all through this department. Like, why do we have them? Now, mind you, this is me as a 23, 22-year-old kid. Like, I'm all over this. I'm like, why do we have them? I said, this is a police department, which means the police department works for the government, right? Because my police chief is appointed by the mayor who's a politician. Thus kind of makes my police chief a politician. And if you want to keep your job, you're going to do as the mayor tells you, which is why every time the mayor's family got arrested, we had to let them out. I'm like, so you're going to do as the mayor tells you. But the government is the same people that the Second Amendment says that we should be defending ourselves against. But I work for the damn government. And if we got all the guns, what do, what do, what do other people have? What if I don't work here? What if I'm just like Bob the plumber? And a problem was born. <laughs> and ever since, I've just been a nuisance and I've been an advocate for the Second Amendment. I'm like, it is very important for a lot of different reasons. But I came from a place of, and to see the guys, and, and this is what I appreciate now, to see the guys that were already like supportive of the Second Amendment, right? And to see them just smile when I started throwing all these questions out. Now I know what that felt like to them because now I get to see people do it, right? And they were just like, and they would never give me an answer because I was answering the questions myself. They would always just smile and do this, like, 
now you're getting a kid. And they say, oh, I was calling me kid. Now you're getting a kid. I'm like, holy crap. And ever since then, man, I just never stopped learning. And I decided that in order to protect the advocacy work, in order to protect the lives of the people we're talking about, training is important. It's vital. But we also have to keep the right to be able to train, the right to get the tools. And as soon as ARs became available, I went and got one. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why, why, why can't I have this or have that? And why is it the fact that the police department are the only people that can have the damn thing? And I'm like, and if the police have it, I know the military has it. So why, is the, why do people under governmental control, the employees of the government, their armed branches, why are they the only people that can have this stuff? I was like, what happens when you quit? What happens when you no longer work for a PD and you're not protecting and you want to go be a real estate agent? Now, all of a sudden, your life is less valuable? Or is it about the government just making sure they can keep all these people under control and you just happen to be a pawn of the government at the time so they're not going to discuss all this with you? Just go do as you're told. Thus is why I hate when people say I was just doing my job. So. So in the chat we have, uh, I think it was Kermit. Kermit loves bacon. Yep. And or I was just Mr. Falling. Greg T. are starting a uh, change.org petition to make sure that you write a book. And no. uh, <laughs> G Webs in the chat says he he'd like a, a graphic novel. And I think it's, this is like this is a, a great place to collab. We have if Pete's still here, he could actually. Uh, He's he's a fantastic artist, uh, Pete. Go ahead and and, and hook up and and uh, you could be the artist for that. But I think we'd all love to see that. Argo J seems to be a hater and says he can't speak, let alone write. Just ask him to say the word barrel. <laughs> it's barrel. Hey, hey, look, I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of people making fun of my Midwest slang. It's barrel and there. Those are the words, barrel and there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's that's so yeah man that's how mine was um, that that is just oh man how I, I I united the two I'm like this is important and and we we have to pay attention to it and the way that I organically came into it and was hype and I still remember me and I remember those thoughts and I'm like now we have so many other things to fix because now we can't just keep and I used to challenge my friends on this all the time it's like hey yeah, I remember because my friends, I have several friends that were around me when they used to march through the neighborhood doing whatever political rally. And I remember the older generation saying uh, the NRA is the KKK. Right. And I even started challenging that when I when I became like a Second Amendment aware. I'm like, well, hold on. Hold on. If you're if you were saying that the NRA is the KKK by by saying that you were saying the NRA is comprised of mostly white guys. Right. And they're like, oh, well, yeah. I'm like, okay. Okay, because you said KKK, Ku Klux Klan, so white guys. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I'm understanding your level of thinking. Okay, well, how did the KKK, this is me questioning people, how did the KKK reign so much terror when they were at their height? Like, how were they able to do that? Besides political connections, besides being, you know, the powers to be, how did they do it? All because they would, they would burn and they would lynch. Okay, I get it. They had the guns. I'm like, uh-huh. So if they had the guns and they were able to rain terror down upon you, and then you would also say that they're in political positions, since even you're calling the NRA a political organization, I'm like, let me riddle me this. Then when we look up, this is me learning. I'm like, mm -hmm. so when we look up this definition of this word tyranny, tyranny is this thing. 
when the government is, uh, you know, imposing its will upon the people in a harmful way, essentially. I'm like, so if that's tyranny, but then if you're telling me that you believe that these group of people are the KKK, that you say are interwoven into the fabric of society from politicians and stuff like that, that means that they're the government. But the Second Amendment thing promises us the right to keep and bear arms. So why aren't your black ass got a gun? Uh, no, no, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm like, all right, so what we have to do is we have to really start challenging this thing. I said, now, I didn't know what, that's all I ever heard of NRA was the KKK. So I decided to start researching what the NRA was, right? And I, I did my research on what the NRA was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, let, okay, 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 let me get this right. We are going to say that there is all kind of crazy stuff happening in this world. It's unfair. We're reading history. Horrific things have happened. There are certain glimmers of that still happening or the, the, the unintended consequences of that happening today. These people over here have guns and they have a little bit different a level of complaint than we have. So not only do we have criminals that were bred right uh, from the situation that was given, you're also going to tell me that the government doesn't have my back. They're not going to protect me from the criminals. We don't have a large enough police force to keep the criminals at bay. And the last time I checked, I barely see the cops in my neighborhood anyway. So I, look, y'all, I'm just confused. I'm confused. I don't understand why we would ever support gun control. And then I start asking my local politicians. And that's where it got interesting. I'm like, hey, where are you with this thing um, uh, called the Second Amendment? I never used to say gun control. I used to say, do you, do you believe in the Second Amendment? was my way of like asking, like, hey, do you believe in the Second Amendment? And my local older person was like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, so do, do you believe in the fact that we can own any gun? Because, you know, we got this assault weapons thing that says mm-hmm. you can't own this AR-15 gizmo. But we got them at the PD. So do you believe that we should be able to own those? And he said, no. He said, and then that's the first time I heard somebody say, I believe in the Second Amendment, but. And that was the first time I heard somebody say it. And I was like, oh, but what, sir? But like, so, and, and then I challenged him. I said, well, you do understand that not having mm. access to everything is the illusion of freedom. It's not true freedom. And this is what I believe freedom to be. And then I became the annoying ass kid. It's like, look, dude, just get away from me. Because I'm asking him questions at 23, 24 that he couldn't answer. Right? And then I'm actually tying our local history in with it. I'm like, dude, hey, I, I don't get it. Why? Why? Nope. I will. He was like, well, just now, mm-hmm. now I'm a voting age. Right? Now I'm a voting age. So it's like, just trust me. I'm going to get all this stuff fixed. You're not even going to need guns. Everything's going to be better. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, I said, I don't. He's like, but trust me, son, we got to keep the Democratic Democrat Party in control in these areas to get everything under control. Mm-mm. I was like, well, how long have you been on your job? And I forgot what he said, but it was about a decade or better. I was like, but you've, you've been saying that this stuff is going to change. And it hasn't changed. But even by me supporting you, you don't believe mm-hmm. in the fact that I have a right to own a gun. And thus, it makes it goes against everything else that I believe in. I said, dude, I can't, I can't support you. And I told them then and there, I do not have a political identity. I want to know who's going to do right. I am not going to be a victim to this whole, hey, I'm, I'm this letter thing. And that's when I started telling politicians, you remind me of gang members. Because the gang members used to try to get me to click up with them. They would never talk about what they did wrong. They made everything seem like it was right. Right. And I'm like, I'm not falling for that. I am not going to be a part of your tribe. Are you about bettering my community or not? And do you believe in the fact that if you can tell me that all these horrific things about slavery, if you can tell me 
oh my God, the white man has done this and he's done that. Then please help me understand why the hell you believe that only the white people should have guns. I am not understanding this. And do you think that I'm stupid? Do you think that I can't be trusted with a gun? Why, matter of fact, and I used to <laughs> like, why don't we have gun training things around here? Like, why don't, why isn't there some, why wasn't there somebody when I was 15 to say, hey, let me teach you how to shoot a gun? That way, when me and my friends found guns, we went and did the silly mm-hmm. crap we did with them. I'm like, why isn't anybody, you want to keep me stupid, dumb, and dangerous, don't you? I'm t- I, was a, I was a firecracker. I was yep. everywhere with it. And then KD was born. And I've been a thorn in her ass ever since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's just, and it's part of, the, and, and the reason that's why I tell people, I don't want to tell you how to think. I just want you to be a critical thinker because that's how I came to be aware of all these things around me. And I'm like, man, that's, that is horrible that you would continuously mm-hmm. sell victimhood to people, tell them they're a victim, and not give them the education and the arms to be free. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. And so there we go. I'm sorry about that. I get on rant sometimes. No, no, that's that's exactly that's that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> that's exact that's that's the story and the passion that I wanted to hear because I knew that I knew you had something like that behind how you got to the point where you are. And I think that that's a lot of pretty much what got uh, Joe and I into this. I think it was learning more. I've always been a big history buff, and it was learning more and more about history and getting all the pieces that come together and then realizing, wait a second. So these laws were passed at such and such time. They didn't think about the repercussions about it, and this is why we're dealing with the consequences today. Or we already have these things implemented, but they don't teach anybody about them. And because nobody knows, they could, that's how they skirt around the laws and our rights, because they use our ignorance against us. Because if you're not, if you're not educated in your rights, they can take them away and you won't even know that you lost them. You'll just be pissed off one day thinking, what is this BS? Why am I getting arrested for this? Or why are they taking away my stuff? Well, they don't have a right to do that. Then why are they doing it? Well, you were never educated about it. So you didn't know to complain beforehand when you had a chance. And, and that's, that's what happens nowadays. And I know, um, uh, a big thing that we, that we try to do on our show is we end this end the show talking about a, uh, uh, a, uh, an amendment from the constitution. We do it in English and Spanish, and that's just to educate more people on, Hey, these are, these are our rights. This is what we've got here. Here's a little bit of the background history. And for those of you that Maybe you weren't educated in English or English isn't your first language. Uh, here it is in Spanish so that you can still understand, you know, the, the foundations of this country and understand your rights so you can protect yourself. Or you can see the logic of why is it that we do things this way? Why are, why are we talking about the Electoral College right now? I got no idea. What is the Electoral College? Well, read the Constitution. It explains what it's all about. And then you can see. Well, this sounds pretty stupid when you hear it on the news, but when you actually read it, you're like, okay, I get it. I understand the logic now. Like, this makes sense to me. Or even if I don't like it, I at least understand how it works. So I'm not sitting here like an angry idiot spewing uh, ignorance without knowing what I'm talking about. And so that's always been one of our goals and just learning more about history. And and, uh, with Joe, it's been pretty awesome exposing her to a lot more about history that she hasn't seen and seeing that kind of light click sometimes of like, oh, well, this is obvious why they're doing things because now we know in the past, this is what they've done to get people to do what they want. This is pretty similar now. Uh, I was going to say that um, the people around me, I'm, I uh, like to talk to people 
in just random places. I talk to people at the bank. I talk to people at the superstore, uh, supermarket. I talk to my patients. Um, I kind of am really good at um, reading people. And some people that are closer to me, I, I, I'm the only gun person that they know. So I've been working on some people for a few years. And I have to say that this year has been very pivotal in getting certain people past the point of just casual gun ownership to now they're kind of starting to question things. And I think that it's interesting that gun control laws can actually have the opposite effect. So I've been educating um, one of my very good friends, a fellow nurse, is uh, just bought a uh, pistol for self-defense purposes, and she is a liberal. But once I started to expose her on what's been going on, the more I teach her about this, the more shocked she is and the more um, interested she is in, in, in her Second Amendment. So I feel like, yes, history is a good way to get people to understand the true purpose of gun control. But I think right now we're also at a point in time that, yes, we're probably facing another uh, barrage, another attack on the Second Amendment. But it's also an, a great time to get people to understand that because it's happening in real time. Yeah, I would totally agree. Totally agree. And I think that um, another thing that people, even though it's it's not used in our, uh, it's not used for our, our benefit. That's the one good thing about social media that I would say is with uh, yeah. all the information. You know, pe- people like death and destruction. They, like if you look at anything across the board, that gets the most views, right? Not the pretty butterfly flying off of the flower. It's always the death and destruction. Well, one thing about it. When things go crazy and horrific things happen, people immediately go to, oh, my God, I need a gun. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then we hope it just turns into that caveat, like you said, Joe, now it's a caveat to be able to have the conversations, educate them about history. But another thing that um, ed- the educational system has been really, really good at, and I don't think they did this just for guns. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they just it just sucks. But they were good at making history a not be taught. And it's not cool anymore. History used to be a cool thing to learn about. And no longer is history cool. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that information flows so fast now, right? The history is relative to some people. However, um, it's it's not really taught. It's it's. I'll go back to the things about school, like when they were like, yay, Black History Month, the Underground Railroad. All right, cool. It's like the same picture and posters on the wall I've been seeing since I was like seven, dude. Like, what else happened? Like, what, what aren't you telling me? What else is going on here? And then, and then I, I started thinking about this, too. I'm like, hey, everybody's celebrating this country being founded. Why would there... There used to be a show, and somebody in the comments can probably correct me. There's an old show, I'm kind of showing my age now, um, where the, the camp, the Army base was called Fort Hood. It was a really old show, and it was showing that the, uh, the Native Americans were kind of getting along with the, 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 the soldiers at the time, or whatever it was. But I was watching that one day, and I was like, how come we don't learn? Everybody wants to talk about Christopher Columbus. Well, I don't, nobody could walk to my house and say they discovered my house. All right. So if you discovered something, because we're being taught that you're a hero. So if you discovered something, right, and this is me in class, and I remember writing a paper on it. How can you discover something that was already occupied? One. And then what happened to the occupants? Because we had never learned about that. Nobody ever told us. You know, it's like we never knew 
how vile the game of Cowboys and Indians was playing it as kids. And nobody ever wanted to be the Indian. Mm-hmm. And because we were, we were subconsciously taught that the Indian was the bad guy. That's why everybody wanted to be the cop or cowboy, right? The cowboy was the hero. The Indian was the bad guy. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. what happened to the people that were here? Then it hit me. Oh, that's why they're called Native Americans. Well, how the hell you discover something they were already yep. on? And how come we don't talk about what they went through, right? Even mm-hmm. before we get to slavery, how come we don't talk about that part of history? And I just started to realize, man, that America is very, very good at hiding its own black eyes. It was, what do you guys put on... Um, What's that stuff, Joe, that the, that the women put on? The foundation? Mm-hmm. Is that Concealer, the foundation. Yeah. Concealer. They're good at putting that crap on when it's them that did something wrong. And it doesn't mean that America now is going to do the same thing. It just means, like, why are you hiding those parts of history? So when concealer, you guys are sitting, concealer. you're working up this, you know, this course yeah. design for everybody mm-hmm. to learn, how come we aren't talking about these things, right? So they teach history as they want, you know, my mom told me one time, she was like, when I used to go home and, I would always challenge my mom, who's a very, very intelligent woman, and I would always challenge her with these thoughts. And sometimes, I'm telling you, I was the kid that would come home. I'm a very passionate dude, always have been. I would, like, come home and, like, slam my book back down, like, look, lady. <laughs> like, I don't understand. And, you know, she would help me critically think, and she's just like, just remember, sweetheart, it's his story. History is story. You can tell your story whichever way you want to tell it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I always go back to the quote, uh, history's written by the victors. Uh, so, you know, and that, that works with almost anything. I mean, I remember going to, uh, I lived in Japan for a couple of years because my dad was in, in the Navy and Japanese never talk about World War II. <laughs> they, they, they don't talk about the atrocities that they committed. They don't talk about any of that stuff. It's kind of like, look, man, we just don't go there. We don't talk about it. Uh, you go to Germany, they don't talk about, they don't talk about Hitler and, and all that stuff. And, and obviously World War II either. And they try to gloss over that. And when you try to talk about it, they're like, oh yeah, it happened. It's, it was terrible. And it's like, but we don't, we, you know, it is, it, it's, let's talk about something else. Uh, and, and that seems to be. I, I think that's human nature, but yeah, definitely that's something that we've seen throughout how history is tied here. Uh, and it leads to it leads to ignorance and it leads to backlash because then everybody thinks it's it is what it is that you're you're covering it up. So then when they start teaching it, it comes out, you know, it comes out all negative. So now all of history is bad. Everything that's happened in the United States is bad. And it it's almost like an overcorrection. You know, an overcompensation for not teaching everything that happened in the first place and kind of like sugarcoating it at first. So now you get a lot of history that's come out. Now you have the people that want to destroy statues and all that stuff and go back. And it's like, well, wait a second. I understand now that you're angry because you're getting the other side of the story, but you've also forgotten everything else. We got to take all of it to get the full context. And then you can understand how we how we really came to be the good and the bad and the ugly and you can see the mistakes that we made or else you're just going to keep making the same mistakes because you're only going to either see all the good or all the bad and you're never going to figure out well why was why was this good and then why was this bad and what was the what why were these decisions made was because of evil were people stupid or were there circumstances that led to people making these decisions and that's just how it ended up and it just you know there there's really no no other way to say it yeah, there's, uh, there's know, other than that's the way it is. There's not really, really many things that come out that are only going to be positive when you say uh, when you title someone or a nation as a conqueror. 
Yep. Right. Because the people being conquered got a totally different version of the yep. way that this thing went. Right. And uh, to me, though, I think that studying history and talking about the balance of it is absolutely fine. Um, mm-hmm. If we can go take us out of America and go to any country, we're going to find something just as bad. Right. It's just yep. part of it's just part of the thing. Now, I, I would tell people all the time when they're like, oh, yeah, man. But I'm like, dude, it doesn't take away. You cannot move me to any other uh, nation in the world. I'm not mm-hmm. going. I'm yep. just not going. Right. Because one beautiful thing about America is the fact that I got the right to say America screws up. There are some places you can't say that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's understand it for the purpose of not repeating it. And then, you know what? Sometimes it's just cool to talk about. Right. Of it's course. just like, wow, can you believe how far it's come? Right. Mm-hmm. That, like, and, and then who changed that? Because if that was the norm at one point in time, who are the people that said, no, we, we have to see differently, right? And how can they motivate us in trying to make the differences we see now, right? So yep. that's why I like kind of the balance of it. Like, okay, let's let's talk about the good and the bad, even us as individual people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you guys are nice people. You're, you're great. You're always polite, kind, uh, humble when you talk. Um, but... If we really went into your life, we're going to find some dark spots, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how everyone is. And I'm no different. We're going to yep. find the darkness in everything. doesn't change who you are, and it doesn't change what you have the opportunity to become. Mm-hmm. It just means it's part of your story, yep. right? And so I don't think it makes the nation bad. I just think the nation is only bad when they try to conceal it because yep. then we can't get over it. We can't deal with it. If you hide the cancer, we can't treat it. Yep. Yep. And that's the other thing that I tell people, because some people are like, well, how is it that the founders could have written, you know, all men are created equal, but some of them, they obviously allowed slavery to propagate and some of them owned slave themselves. I was like, you can judge them by that, or you can judge what do the words mean? And do you think that the words are valid? Whether they, whether they used it, whether they, uh, what should I say? Whether they, um, uh, obviously allowed those rights to to be instilled into everybody or not doesn't change to do you believe that all men are created equal with rights endowed by their creator yes or no yes okay let's make sure that we get to a point where we actually hold ourselves to that standard rather than complaining well these dudes wrote it they didn't even hold themselves to that standard so it's invalid i was like that doesn't invalidate it just means that they were people of their time or some of them were hypocrites that's the way that it is it's like if if a bad dude tells me that the stove is hot, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go touch that stove just because <laughs> that it was like, you know, it was Osama bin Laden that said, "Yo, man, don't touch that stove." I'm still gonna listen to him. You know, it doesn't change what he's saying. Or because you know the highway system. This is another one. Like the Nazis created the highways. Does that mean highways are bad or they're evil, or that the concept is like faulty? Not necessarily. Uh, so you kind of have to look at in in the context of that situation. Now, if you run into somebody that's spewing something all the time and then you see that they're a hypocrite, well, you don't listen to what they're saying. They're they're not credible. But that's how you have to look at it. Any time in this this show, we Hmm? talk about how beautiful we have a beautiful woman wearing a beautiful patch on her head. Yes. If I did acknowledge it, I want to acknowledge it now. A big shout out to G. Wells for making that happen. Yes. That's just that's just gorgeous. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to have to. You know, no, 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 no. I like to show we, beautiful women wearing stuff that I'm, I'm associated with. <laughs> we were we were going to go there. How how did how did uh, how did the concept of the truth come to be, and how did that entire process go? Because I've we've hung out with Jay. We got to see 
kind of the process that he went through with doing the Bravo Oscar. What was your process, uh, you know, choosing? Why, why did you choose the pistol that you did? Who did you partner with and, and all of that? What went into it? Well, first of all, I'm the one that designed the Bravo Oscar. Oh, okay. There you go. Let's just get that out the way. That was my idea. <laughs> he was crying, and I just let him have the idea and let him roll with it. So let's just get that out the way. Um, so um, I I was sitting around, man, and to be totally honest with you, so I told you guys when I shot that MP5, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. God. I'm like, who makes this? They're like, Hecker and Cook. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm a fanboy. So I got my hands on a VP9 shortly thereafter. Um and I started shooting that gun, and I was, you know, still getting guns and had a lot of guns. And I'm like, man, I just like this gun. It's just it's something about it. The Euro Mag release was a little interesting to me, right? Uh, but I'm like, man, I really, really, I really, really enjoyed this firearm. I just like it. And it just always stuck to me. So it became the main gun that I shot. I put, like some people say, oh, I've shot, you know, 10,000 rounds for this gun. I've literally put damn near 100,000 rounds for that platform. Wow. Like, I've shot that gun. I understand that gun. I like that gun. And so I wanted to tweak some things about it, though, to make it mine, right? A one-off kind of kind of thing, right? And so I was, for a couple of years, I had been working with some really, really smart engineers in, in my local area in St. Louis, and I was just going to make a one-of-one, right? This is just going to be my range toy, my gun, the gun that I train with, and blah, blah, blah. And so I already had the design for the firearm locked. I had been working on it for oh, quite a while. Well, one day I, 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 um, I make a, a meme, right? So you guys know that Pablo Escobar meme where he's looking real sad, like standing in an empty pool. Yes, um, yeah, <laughs> right. So <laughs> I, um, I took that meme and I put it up, and I, the caption was, "When all your friends have their own custom guns and you don't." Mm-hmm. So at the time, um, uh, Ken Scott and Ken Scott had his Perfectus Elite and Coley on the War had uh, even before the Prevexus Elite came out, had put out the Advocate, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a way to tease them, but bring attention to their guns. I wanted people to know about their projects and stuff like that, right? And have a good time with it. So my buddy Wayne Hammer, who used to be with MLS Customs, is now with Microtech. Wayne, uh, you know, me and Wayne met, and, you know, Wayne's a good dude. He's a good dude. And he inboxed me, right? And Wayne's like a no-hole-bars dude. He's, he doesn't care about your feelings. He's like, Hey, hey, dumbass! Um, why don't why don't we put out a gun? You know, he's a designer; he can make mm-hmm. it happen. I'm like, well, no. Why would I? Why would I put out a signature gun? I don't think I'm a really humble person, man. A lot of mm-hmm. people catch me uh, like speaking and, and and getting passionate about stuff, but if you sit down and ever hang out with me, I'm as humble as they come. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I just want I'm just one of the one of the guys. You know, I, I just. And so I don't I don't have that much ego invested. I'm not saying anybody else is egotistical. I'm like, dude, nobody's gonna like why would I put out a custom gun? Who the hell am I? Right? This is how I think about it. And he was like, we could totally do it. And I was like, well, I'm not putting out a custom gun. I don't think, first of all, I don't think I'm that cool. Um, I just wanted this gun I was working on to be a one-on-one. And I, I kept thinking about it though, because he kept bothering me. <laughs> like, all right, you know what? If I did, it would have to be more than a gun. And I just, I just prayed about it. I'm like, if I do this, it has to be more than a gun. But what else can it be but a gun, right? Everybody got a gun. You know, like agencies got guns, salients got guns. Everybody's got guns. I'm like it would have to be more than a gun. And then I just started thinking about: Is there any way that I can combine the gun with my words to let people understand why the gun is so important? And I just was thinking. And one day I was just sitting. I was like, man, you know, this gun control is so full of crap. It's 
full of lies and deceit, and then it just hit me. Well, tell the truth. It's like, oh, well, how can I tell the truth? So then this is when um, Peter, where Carolina Custom Phone comes mm-hmm. into play. I call Wayne up, and I'm like, um, I think I got it. And he's like, what? And I start running it down to him. And he's like, dude, you got to talk to my boy, Peter. You got to talk to my boy, Peter. And me and Peter, uh, we talked, and then over the course of, you know, really getting this thing going, we probably spent no less than 60 hours on the phone, right? Wow. And, and I'm like, this is my vision. And he's just sitting listening, and I'm just going in, and I'm talking about the stories, and I'm like, it has to do this. I need to be able to talk about why gun control is so bad, and I need to do it in a way where people can gravitate. And these are the visions I have. Peter being an artist, you know, I'm not an artist. I can't draw a circle, and don't ask me to color inside the lines. I can't do it. Right. But Peter is an artist. So he just listened to me. He didn't even talk. He just listened. He was like, I got you, dude. I got you. And some of the stories he had to go research, some of the stuff he knew a little bit about, but he didn't know the angles. Um, and, and he he was just like, OK, I'm going to hang up with you. I'm going to take all this in. And I'm going to get back to you. And when we got on the phone and then uh, Peter also brought in Larry with JNL Machining, um, who's a, a great, fantastic machinist. And we started throwing around kind of engineering ideas, right? Like, you know, what would make sense, blah, blah, blah. And that didn't take long because I already knew what I wanted. And uh, Larry loves HKs, so he was already on board, and so does Wayne, right? So it didn't take long to come up with the final specs of it. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this thing for real, huh? And Peter comes back with these cases, and oh, my God, when he starts sending me the draft of the cases, I was like, okay, we got a, we got a rock star team here. We're going to do it. And, and and one thing that I, and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be real open and honest because that project means a lot to me. What almost brought me to tears, literally, literally almost brought me to tears was the fact that I got to realize how beautiful America was in the moment of making the truth. And I'm going to tell you how. I got three white guys, three white guys, one from California, one from fucking Idaho and the other one from North Carolina that are going to help me make this happen. And you know what they all did? They all took a sacrifice. They all invested money without asking for it in return to help me make this project happen. None of them asked me for a red cent. Not a one of them. All of them said, I want to be a part of this and I want to make this happen. And this is a country that it, 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 it's, we're so de- divisive in so many ways. And to know that these dudes are willing to put their own equity in. These are master craftsmen. All of them are master craftsmen. They can charge whatever amount of money to do anything. But yet they said, no, I'm going to pour my resources and my talent into making this project come to life. And boom, it was born. Um, I, I, I called <coughs> up Enforce. I'm like, hey, I need you guys to send me some lights. This is what I got going on. Um, and Steve and Matt over there were like, say less, right? And they they got me that support. And um, I called up uh, Vortex. and I'm like, hey, I need your support with something because this is when RDS Red Dot Systems mm-hmm. were coming to thing. So I'm like, hey, uh, I got this thing. I need your support. They're like, cool. And I'm like, damn, this is just easy, right? Everybody's so, they're, they're so behind it. And, you know, then I went and um, SHOT Show 2018. Uh, we took over the Enforce booth. And humbly, I say this, I did the launch at SHOT Show. And I don't think any other gun that year got that much attention. Everybody paid attention to it. We shut down an aisle at SHOT Show with so many people in that aisle to look at those guns, to hear me talk about those guns. And it was one of the most, like I had to sit down afterwards. And if anybody that knows me knows, 
So I'll, I'll talk and go to the next thing and get to talking again, right? But after that, I had to sit down because I'm like, not only was I able to bring something that I believe made the people that died and sacrificed for me to have a voice, that I made them happy. They're like, dude, you really represented us in a way that people have forgotten about. And I was able to do that. And to me, I could just see my mom smiling. I could see my immediate family smiling. I could see my ancestors smiling. I'm like, damn. And guess what? We didn't do it through division. We did it through unity, right? And so when we look at all those different things, shit, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> when we look at all those different things um, happen and what that gun meant and how it stood and, and how I stood tall and stood behind the messaging and then see people, you know, galvanize over it, it was beautiful. And to, to do that, we put out the first guns in history that fight gun control, right? And it was the it was the one gun that didn't get attacked. The truth never got attacked. Mm -hmm. It never did, right? And it still hasn't to this day. So to me, it's it's just like, damn, look at look at what we can do when we when we all come together, right? And we were able to do it. And um, and big shout out to Wayne, man. I, I love that dude. Wayne, Peter, loved that guy. Larry loved that dude. Um, and everybody that helped me, you know, even get this thing out there. Ken Scott. You know, behind the scenes, saw the gun before many people. Ken's an engineer. Most people don't know that about him. The dude's an engineer brain. And so we're talking about the gun, and, and he's looking at it, and he was like, damn, this is a dude that got his own gun out. And said out of his own mouth, this is the gun everybody should buy. And he, he like, forget my gun. This is the gun everybody should buy. And all that behind-the-scenes support, and we put it out. And that's with no marketing budget. I'm not a millionaire, dude. That's, that's just putting a gun out that's built off grassroots soul effort and the truth and to bring a mission and the truth was born and it's it's been a success and i'm submitting it to a museum right so it's going to be in a museum and it's like we take advantage of the present but we don't realize that the present will one day be history mm -hmm. and to know that something that i had a fantastic team come around i have fantastic support through the industry and to know that my kids and my grandkids will be able to walk into a museum and say my dad or my granddad did that. He brought a message in such a way that no one in history had ever done. I'll be able to rest well in my grave knowing that. If I did nothing else, I left that in print for this advocacy, for this movement, and for the rights of people um, in this country. I'm cool with that. I can stop today and be okay. Is the is your uh, the gun the truth still available for sale? Yes, um, because of the complications with the COVID nineteen situation. Um, we've had to, to halt production of it till about February, um, but in February we will release uh, oh, the availability awesome. of the last the last sixteen of them. So we're only making a total of um, forty nine. There are sixteen left, uh, and once we make them, that's it. Because um, I want this to be an historic piece. So mm -hmm. people that get it, there will never be. I'm not saying I won't come out with another project, but it will never be that one. There will never be be a truth gun like that one made ever again. Right. So. Um, it's going to be something that, that you can you can bank on is, is going to stand and test time in history. So after 49, so we'll have 16 more coming out. And when they're gone, they're gone. Awesome. Uh, G Webs was saying, uh, asking in the chat, uh, which museum? Uh, he didn't catch that. Uh, yeah, so it, I'm not going to say that. Just know it's going to be submitted to a museum. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, I wasn't yeah, sure. I, I, I wasn't sure if I missed it either. So I, no, I wanted so to make sure you did. It's going to be, it's going to, 
It's going to be submitted. Okay. Now, most of you, I'm not going to be able to keep the secret from because if you know where the uh, when we did Time Guns in America, it's going to be to the it's going to be submitted to the same museum mm-hmm. that that Time uh, mural is in. Oh, okay. That mural over there, and I want that gun right across from it, right? Because because mm-hmm. I'm I'm like they humbly they put me right in the middle, right? So it's I'm the first thing you see on the cover. Yeah. So I want like oh that dude oh that's the dude that did that like yeah you know so. I want it. And then even if it wasn't, you know, when I found out about that museum, I'm like, well, crap. First of all, I need to go to that place. I want to see what else is in there. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, we're going to submit this. Stuff. Absolutely. We're gonna submit this stuff. In case anyone out there listening doesn't know what it's referring to, Katie was on the cover of Time magazine. Um, when was that? Yeah. What year was that? Um, yeah, that came out, I believe, November of 2018 okay i would say yeah that's 2018 yeah, yeah 2018 because shot show was january 2018 so yeah that came out november 2018 that was a uh, time guns in america they had but it, there were politicians. I mean, and I was on it with several gun people. I, I want to start naming them because uh, I'm going to forget somebody. But Corinne Mosier was also on the cover. We had um, uh, Ma Charette was also on the cover of it. Uh, you know, hell, Mike Mike Brown's mother was on the cover of it. We had a lot of different people that were on the cover of it. Uh, Kim Gardner, the St. Louis City, uh, 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 City uh, Attorney, was on the cover of it. And I'm standing up there with a lot of these uh, different people from political spheres, police chiefs and stuff like that. And... We all told our stories, and then they arranged the mule, and they decided to put me right in the middle, right in the middle, be the centerpiece of it. So I was honored by that. And, you know, that's still something, because we, when I was a kid, man, Time Magazine, and I'm dating myself again. I know some of you youngins came in when the internet was was a thing, right, um, or close to being a thing. But I used to read, you know, magazines were what we used to read. Of that's course, how we, yeah. you know, got entertainment, right? And Time was a big deal. I'm like, dude, Michael Jackson was on the cover of Time magazine. What are you saying to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're rock stars and pop stars. And then, even though it's a mirror where I'm sharing it with 200 some odd people, it's like, I don't think people realize once you put your your blood, sweat, and tears into something, it's okay to celebrate it. Like when I presented my mom with that, that was a big deal because she grew up reading Time. She's like, holy crap. Is my son on the cover of Time magazine? I'm like, yep, and it's not for being arrested. How cool! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was that was a that was a good project, and it was it was it was fitting that the truth came out, and then that, that article came out, or that magazine came out the same year. Um, what was I going to say? Please tell me you have that frame somewhere in your house. Uh, yeah, it's a downstairs frame. It's framed uh, above my desk. It's framed in my son's room. It's framed at my mom's house. Um, and at a couple other people's homes, they, they framed it up. Yeah. We're, we're going to, we're going to keep that because that was, that was one thing I looked at and I was just like, you know, people often say, oh, you're full of yourself when you compliment yourself. But I tell people all the time, man, if we're just being real, like I don't say that my life story is any worse or better than anybody else's, but I come from the mud. I come from eating sugar sandwiches sometime to make, make way, um, you know, using water and syrup to make some type of milk thing to be able to eat your cereal mm-hmm. uh, a mom you know no dad a mom that was working uh, two or three jobs to make do i remember sleeping behind the counters of vickers gas stations if anybody remembers vickers gas stations vickers gas stations while she was working i had to hide up under the counter because she couldn't afford childcare. 
You know, and my mom worked hard. There was I still had a lot of things that other kids didn't have, but there were a lot of things I didn't have. And coming up and people telling me you're going to be dead by 18 and, and living in that kind of environment. And then to be able to, without being a star athlete, right, without being a, a, a multi-talented musician, without having those things afforded to you, but still bust my butt and be able to go from two parents that neither one of them made it past eighth grade as far as education goes. My mom's a very intelligent person, um, but neither one of my parents made it past the eighth grade as far as education goes, and I was able to get a graduate degree. That's you know, awesome. it's like when we talk about snapping those generational curses, I'm going to be proud of that. I am going to look back and say, like, damn, mom, look, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's the same way when I graduated college. Like, to get the undergrad degree was one thing. To have the graduate degree was another. And to then to be able to say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this thing I'm passionate about. To be able to get the, the voicemails and looking into the kids' faces that are like, thank you for feeding us. Thank you. That's what I do through Aiming for the Truth and giving back to people and motivating them to get the messages of, you know, your words saved my life. You inspire me. And then to look up and see that the fact that I'm involved in a, a polarizing conversation about guns in America on the center of Time magazine. I put out the first gun in history to fight gun control. I'm able to raise my children in the same household with both their mother and father. You're damn right I'm proud. You're damn right. And sometimes it's okay to say, hey, I'm proud of me. I might suck in these other 13 areas, but right here, right now, I am proud of what I've done. I'm proud of what I've accomplished, and I'm proud to be that kid that was just supposed to be another victim of Biden's crime bill. I'm proud to be that kid that actually pushed through, made it better, and I could die a broke man, but I'm rich in spirit, and I'm rich in success, and guess what? We we were able, successfully able to snap those generational curses to where these kids that I'm raising— will never have to know my struggle. These kids get to look up and say, there's a framed photo of my dad. There's another framed photo of my dad giving a speech about freedom with the same view that Dr. Martin Luther King had when he gave the I Have a Dream speech. I'm proud. And I'm proud of me. We're proud of you, too. Yeah, that's... And <laughs> I have to say, um, I think the first time I saw Katie was, well, obviously, we were at the breakfast, but, I mean, speak... Um, was in November uh, 2019 at the two-way rally. And hands down, your speech at that, that was a very pivotal time for Rollo and I, especially for me. Um, I've told the story a million times, I feel like, by this point, but I was very much on the fence about, I was there for Rollo. I'm going to be 100% honest mm-hmm. on that. I was there for Rollo. I was just being supportive. And I, at that time, had no intention of moving forward as an advocate um, for anything. I was just going to be, I'm being supportive. You know, if you want to do this, I'll be there for you, whatever. Um, and those speeches that morning really made a huge difference on me. And I really loved your speech. I thought it was just definitely one of the ones that, you know, there's rote speeches and then there was the emotional speeches. Um, I really love the 2019 speech for that. I love Argos J's in 2020. Um, but you, you were awesome that day. So kudos to you. And thank you for helping me get to where I am today and know what I want to do. So, no, uh, you know, you know, well, thank you for the kind words, but you know, the only thing I did to you is what other people did to me mm-hmm. when you were talking, I just kind of, you know, kicked your ass a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because the, 
the talent and the skill set and the firepower is in you. I can't give you that. Right. All I can do is remind you that it's there mm-hmm. and and make sure that you don't suffocate it. So I appreciate you just letting me have an audience with you. Let me, um, you know, uh, light the fire a little bit. And, you know, I, I get a pleasure of sitting back, seeing you guys be successful and get your own thing going and, and doing an awesome job of it, too. On top of that. Right. Still in this phase, I would expect you to still be falling down, like cracking your skull open because, you know, you're you're you're, you're learning. Mm-hmm. You guys took off. Use your, you know, your other skill sets. I mean, you don't. You don't get to where you're at in life by being a person that doesn't have good sense, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to bring that and use that and uh, propel yourself to where you are, I'm just, I'm just happy to be a part of the story. I'm owed no credit. I'm just happy to be a part of the story. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate it. I know the, the first time that I that I that I heard of you was actually I forgot what season it was, but I know you were on um, Coleon Noir's show uh, a few mm-hmm. seasons ago, and he did a big, pretty much spotlight on St. Louis. Um, I believe in going through uh, in that season, you were one of his, I guess, uh, continuing guests or experts that you that he had there. Because um, I remember his format used to be very different when obviously he worked with the NRA. But uh, I remember that was the first time that I saw you, and I was like, "Man, Kevin Dixie, who is this guy? Like, he just really uh, he just hits it home, articulates his message in a way that I've never seen anyone else do, uh, do it." And he really cares about his community. And that's when I pretty much started uh, tracking you and following you and, and, um, and, and, you know, seeing what you do as an advocate. And uh, it was pretty awesome to actually be able to meet you in person and see, well, that none of that was BS. That was all true. That's, that's who KD really is. You really are that man. And it, it was, uh, it was great to see that, you know, affirmed in person than to have you, uh, you know, give us advice, help uh, mentor us in the times that we've seen you. Um, if you guys don't know when we, uh, Argo J invited us to go to shot show, uh, with him to help him out, uh, with his unveiling of his rifle. And the first night that we were there, we were fortunate enough to get invited to our, our buddy, uh, well now, now our friend Mike Sedini's house and Tony, Katie and, and, uh, and Argo were there along with a few of our, uh, other friends, new, uh, they would become our new friends from, uh, God, how could I forget their name? Brigitte and, uh. And her husband were there. Prime protection. Yeah, prime protection. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shout Armand. out to prime protection. Yeah, Armand and Brigitte. And uh, so we're hanging out there. We're having a good time. We're just, I think we were watching football, having some food. And then we sit mm-hmm. sit in the back. Uh, Katie gives us one of his nice signature stogies, which is fantastic. And, you know, we're there having a good time, hanging out with, with all the cool kids. And he's like, so what are you guys going to do with advocacy? What's What's your plan? Tell me everything. And, you know, we're there on the spot. And to have KD kind of like lay down the law there, it was a little bit intimidating at first, but I definitely appreciated it because uh, that's that's kind of what you need. And, and for from somebody that you respect, it's great to see. I want to know I want to know what you're all about. I want to see that you're serious, but I also want to encourage you by putting you on the spot here. Uh, if you can make it through this, then you know you're going in the right direction. You've got something that you can work with. So I really appreciated that. Uh, and all the feedback. And I know that one of the things that we were, uh, were really looking forward to this year and kind of what we had planned, uh, kind of what we wanted to do with our advocacy was the train and learn event. Um, so you can talk if we can talk a little bit about that, uh, too. But I know that's something that we're looking forward to to kind of get uh, learn a little bit more, be exposed to uh, a little bit more about bringing social media advocacy, firearms training, all that together. Um, but that didn't happen. So we kind of 
went our own way here, started our own show. And this is kind of how we're pushing our advocacy now, uh, you know, because times are weird right now until we can really get back out there and, and meet with people and get training and all that stuff. But go, go ahead. I'll Jeff. say I'll say that I actually am. You know, you have to look at for the silver lining and things. So mm -hmm. I am grateful in a weird way that train learn didn't happen yet. Mm -hmm. And we were forced to kind of just figure things out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Rolando always says one of the silver linings of COVID was this podcast because the plans we had laid out for this year didn't happen um, because of COVID. So I don't know if this podcast would have happened or not had that not happened. But I now feel a little bit more seasoned and a little bit more sure of who I am in my role. Um, so I'm really excited for uh, training to learn in 2021 because I feel I'm really going to get uh, the juice out of that fruit and really appreciate it a lot more. So I'm really excited for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Training to learn. Uh, now I can't wait to have you guys out there. You're going to, you're going to learn something uh, news breaking on your show about training to learn. Oh, so awesome. I decided to save it till we came on here. So training to learn is set for Memorial day weekend, uh, 2021 outside of St. Louis, Missouri. But let me tell you guys what Train and Learn is. And so that's going to be the 28th through the 31st. Mm -hmm. uh, so anybody that doesn't know what Train and Learn is, it is my, um, it is a, a, it's kind of like a accumulation of a bunch of questions and things that I've been receiving. Because for, because of the grace of good friends of mine, like, like a new war, right? When you guys brought him up, right? Like him and a Darren Lassort um, and a James Jaeger. My track at the beginning, as far as getting on cameras, was really quick. Right. Getting on these larger platforms was really fast. So thus, for growth purposes, I grew very fast. Right. Um, and it's thanks to people listening to me and I guess believing in what I was saying and not mind me using their platforms to convey this message and other other messages and interview people and all types of things. So that was uh, that was great. And I'm very humble and grateful for those opportunities. And a consequence of that, a positive consequence is I had a lot of people that are like, yo, man, how do I do this? And I've only, I, I heard of you like three months ago and all of a sudden you're doing all this stuff. Like, how does this happen? And I tell people all the time, I'm not a, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm, I'm fairly intelligent, but I don't know everything, but I do know a lot of people that know a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and some are smarter than me. So I'm like, I'll tell you what, here's what I want to do. I want to put on an event that allows people to come in and get that professional development. You need to understand what marketing is. You need to understand how what an algorithm is, how to you know run and run SOE on your website. You need to understand if you want sponsorships and support, what does that look like? Uh, how does that turn? What is a YouTube review if you're a YouTube reviewer? How do you get on a, 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 a interview and talk? What's a podcaster? How do you record videos if you want to be an instructor? How do you instruct? A lot of people want to do great things, but they've never even seen a professional instructor in person. Like, how do we do all these different things? I said, well, yeah, we're going to do it. And so we basically have professional development for the freedom community. And you don't have to be someone with a gazillion followers. We had people that were there that had a thousand followers. We had people that were there that had damn near a million. Mm -hmm. It was just about everybody coming together and learning from each other. So um, train and learn is for anybody in the two-way freedom industry, manufacturers, podcasters, writers, bloggers, YouTubers, instructors, whatever, hunters, whatever. If you're, if you're into the industry and you have a platform that is about advocacy or writing or something, right. And that's what we did. We got, we started off, uh, we said, we're going to do, I said, we're going to do 15 people. Hmm. That's it. We're going to make it a small intimate event of 15 people. So I started calling you know, these people that I know in the gun industry, I called up, um, 
uh, uh, Curtis VSO. I called up, uh, you know, uh, Kurt with facts and I just started calling people and a couple of my sponsors and I'm calling these guys like, Hey, you know, TJ over at, uh, tactical sugar, honey, iced tea. And I'm calling all these people like, Hey man, uh, Ken Scott. I'm like, yo, I'm doing this thing. And I want you to, you to talk about this subject matter. And they were like, Oh, great. Cool. Like everybody was so willing to help. Right. I was like, cool. You know, and I'm not telling you to give out everything, but if you can just give people a 30, 45 minute presentation and give them some guidance of where they need to go. Right. And we did that. So we, we talked about a lot of business, the business of what we do and how you capitalize on the business of it, even down to how do you use negative uh, media attention and turn it into positive currency for yourself? Like that was literally a topic, right? Because we get attacked so much. Mm-hmm. How do you take that and spin it? Right. And so we went through everything. We actually had a marketing director there educating you on how they rate and look for uh, people to sponsor. Like, how often do you get that? You actually have a dude that hands out sponsorships standing in front of you telling you, this is what we look for, right? So, and having some world-class shooters like a Corinne Moser there, who on the spot, you started teaching people. Wasn't even, didn't even know I was going to ask her. It just kind of happened. And so we had all these great people give all these uh, segments of education and information. And then the second day, uh, we got people exposed to training. Like, a lot of people want to put out great content, but they don't, they they don't really understand the, 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 the gun, right? And so how can we do that? So we bring in some of the best trainers around in different uh, in different skill sets, and we basically do speed dating with trainers, right? So you spend, you'll spend 90 minutes to two hours with this trainer learning this particular discipline. So now you get a taste of training, right? And when you go putting out your content or speaking, you actually have had hands-on with the thing. And if you're thinking about being an instructor, you get to see how five different instructors handle themselves how they're teaching, their mythologies, you know, where they come from. And so it's like, oh, this works for everybody, right? Everybody can get this. So the instructors come out. Um, and then the third day is all about collaboration. Now that you've learned all these different things, collaborate with each other, right? You have the sponsors here who have all these gizmos, but guess what? Now they don't need to send their 60 or 70 gizmos across the country to all these different people. You're right here. Mm-hmm. Use the gizmo right you're right here because it's really like an on-job interview, yep. right? You can take it right here and do whatever you want to do with it. But if you're if somebody's from Washington and you're from Louisiana, now you can collab together and make that good content with the tips you got. We had Ken Scott going over how to actually get good angles in a video, right? Colorization of videos, right? You know, uh, different things and how to be an instructor. That was another thing that, that was taught. So all those different things, how to not get blinded by merchandise when you're on a mission, all these different things we covered. So that last day you take all those different things and you collaborate and make content. So train and learn, you know, we kind of use everybody as a leap pad, um, but pretty much, man, after 12 million, we stopped counting. And that event grew, it was supposed to be 15 people. Ken Scott yelled at me and was like, do more. I was like, all right, I'm stopping at 25. Then he cursed at me again. <laughs> uh, so we went up to about 30. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, all right, we can't do more than 30. And it was 50. It was 50 people that showed up to that event. Um, and a lot of people, several different businesses have, have accredited, they have credited train and learn and what they were, they were able to learn and gain there, um, as to doubling or tripling their business and their present, their presence in the industry. Right. So yeah, it is going to be on and look, that three day event is only 250, I mean, 350 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to be this time. It's 350 bucks for three days of training. And that includes two meals. We feed you twice. Mm -hmm. That includes two meals. And last time, 
you know, it, it was it was the inaugural event. There were things I'm a perfectionist and I saw things we can do a lot better. So this year is going to be a lot better. We've thrown in some fun. Last year we had fun, but this year we're going to have a little bit more organized fun. Uh, we do a lot of serious work. So this year there may or may not be some laser tag teams going on. Nice. You know, <laughs> we might have some laser, some laser team this versus team that, you know, we might have some laser tag going on. Uh, to take the edge off, we might, you know, shoot Tanner right off the side of a mountain with a 50 caliber. We might do that just to take <laughs> the edge off. We may or may not let people actually see what it's like to be up under night vision. We may or may not do that because um, we're going to we're going to we're going to have a really good time. We're going to be serious, but we're also going to blend in more fun this time. And last time we, we had a uh, you know, we had a nice form at our disposal uh, this time. We're basically starting to build a small city to host it. Sweet. So. We're going to uh, really, really, uh, and shout out, big shout out to Rob's Guns in Lettington, Missouri, for his big assistance in making sure that this can happen and grow. So, man, once again, a lot of good Americans coming together to make things happen. And so we got a lot of good instructors coming uh, coming this year that are going to be there to help. Now, I have to, I'm have to. i not going to start naming the instructors because COVID threw this event off, so I do have to get them to confirm their schedules for this upcoming year. Uh, some of the instructors have active duty law enforcement, so it could be really Kind of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, depends on what their, their department uh, requires as far as travel limitations. But either way, we are going to have some great instructors there. I will leak out. I will leak this out. We're going to cover guns. We're going to cover edge weapons and hand to hand. Ooh. So we're actually building a sand pit. So get ready to come and maybe get flipped around a little bit. All right. In a sand pit. But, you know, people need to understand hand to hand things, too. So we're going to go over much more than just guns. Uh, but here's uh, something we're adding, and here's the the announcement, if you will, or I guess not so much of an announcement, but well, I guess it kind of is. It's a question that leads to an announcement. So next year, one of the things that we want to add that I know will make it better is to have actual interviews set up on site, right, mm -hmm. uh, where people can go and they can, you know, share their experiences. It doesn't have to even be about the event, just who they are and get the word out about who they are, and thus at the same time getting the platforms that they are on giving them more guests that they don't have to schedule with because people are there so they can set up times well in advance, have everything set up. Um, and so Train to Learn is about growth. It is about exposure. And I figure having those media outlets there would help. And so the kind of the announcement is my um, my offering is to the Latino Lock and Loaded podcast to be one of the podcasts on site at Train and Learn to conduct those on-air interviews. Oh, that would be fantastic. Be awesome. Yeah. That would okay. be absolutely well, fantastic. So yeah, we would definitely. We're now do that. one of our podcasting segments that will be on site doing interviews on Sunday live from the Train and Learn event. So awesome. How's that for a bunch of different guests? That, they, that'll awesome. be awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, no problem. So, guys, nope. you have something to look forward to. That will be the Sunday in May. Would that be May, May 29th? Or 30th? Uh, it's going to be May 28th okay. through May 31st. So there you and go. The information will be available over on noorthechoice.com, which is my website. We're going to launch um, that tab on the website at the end of the year, right? Um, and people can go over there, go ahead and register. I will tell people this it is a capacity event. Once we get mm -hmm. to a number, this has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with making sure we can give people information and not have too many people there and people can't learn and absorb. So we are going to cap it off at 60 people this year. 32 tickets are already sold. Mm -hmm. So there are 28 spots left. Awesome. So um, when we relaunch it, I would highly advise that you go ahead and get it. And I know a lot of people don't like flying because of some of the mass restrictions, but I will tell you this. If you haven't looked at flights lately, they're really affordable. Oh, yeah. Right. So um, 
you hop in a flight. Uh, we're going to have the hotel set up for a nice little discount for people when you get there. Uh, but all that information will be on the website. The hotel you can book. There's going to be cost savings at the hotel for you. It will be a trip where you can actually invest in yourself through three days of training, airfare, food, travel. You will be able to do this for under $1,000. Mm-hmm. Right? Most people will. So for three days. And you got six months left to prepare for it. So yeah. it's going to be a good event, though. I will highly – and this is me out of it, man. I will highly advise anybody to take it. And that was my my thing I wanted to give back to the firearms industry in, in total is I like to see people being educated. Um, and a lot of times they just don't know where to go get that information. Right. Um, they just don't know where to go get it, where you can get so much at one time and actually be interactive in live. So we created see a problem, be the solution. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely something that we're looking forward to and that we were. So now it's uh, even more exciting. Yes. So, uh, that's, uh, so I also uh, had to bring stuff up in the chat because we're having great conversations. So I didn't want to interrupt. But some guy named Simon Says Train about half an hour ago. The people want to know, <laughs> Katie, the people want to know, where did your obsession with Kramer begin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't have an obsession with Kramer. I just don't like the taste of black coffee. So when I decided that I wanted to, you know, dabble a little bit in coffee, um, I'd say that it's got to taste different. So. I discovered something called creamer and I'm like, okay, so when we put this thing in the thing and we mix it in the thing, it tastes better. So I'm not, I know they say I'm not a real man because I don't drink my coffee black and blah, 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 blah. And you're not a real trooper. You're, you're weak and you're a punk. I've been called all kinds of things, but I like the creamer in my coffee and it comes with great flavors. Almond joy is my favorite. Southern butter pecan. And look, it was at a friend's house because I was at a friend's house and this is how it all started. Cause I didn't drink coffee. Mm-hmm. And I was at a friend's house, and his friend, uh, they, they always cook. Like, this one of the, and his, his wife's from the South, and she used to make these, uh, the boils where, you know, you throw the, the seafood boils where you have, like, the, the crawfish and the, the blue crab mm-hmm. and the potatoes and the sausage. And, oh, my gosh, she used to cook up a storm. And so we would go over there, and then at the end of the night, they would always have coffee. And they would pour creamer in it. And I, I saw these, uh, you know, Southern Mother Kahan and all this stuff on the table. And I was like, all right, let me try this, this crap. And they're like, all right. And I grabbed my coffee and I drank it black. And I just, I can't do this. And she was like, never do that. That's what the creamer's for. I'm like, well, let's pour the creamer in the thing. Fine. And we poured it in there and I shook it up and I sipped my, ooh. Ooh, pretty good. Ooh, I, I don't know. I like this. And then thus um, the cream addiction, I guess, the creamer addiction was born. Well, I, I, I can't make fun of it because when, when creamer's around, I usually only put like two or three but when I make my coffee every day, Joe will tell you that's basically half milk and half coffee when I make it myself. So I totally sympathize with that. But I can drink it black, too. But she's, she, it's funny. She drinks it black straight up, you know, just with so, some brown sugar. With, yeah. Well, no, I actually drink it black most days because yeah. I do intermittent fasting sometimes. Uh, so that's actually how I got into black coffee. But it's definitely not a natural thing. I'll have to agree. Coffee should be drank with sugar and some sort of um lightning agent but you know once you once you get into the black coffee it becomes you know it, it's it's kind of delicious once you start appreciating the dark notes and there's a there's a me and brian quick in the chat already set up a, a government uh based on our love of black coffee he's gonna be my secretary of defense <laughs> <laughs> jay uh takes a little bit of sugar in his and apparently his coffee uh this is a typo he did but 
His coffee, he likes it sarong uh, with a little sugar like his women. And um, <laughs> he likes it sarong. <laughs> mm, he likes it sarong. Mm, what kind of women is he into? Okay. Yeah, okay. so we Brian and I decided he would be um, an ambassador. So <laughs> oh I, I can go for that. I can go for that. You know, I'm drunk. I did. There was one time uh, black coffee did help me out. I was actually at Shot Show. Mm-hmm. And I was very, I was really congested, right? And I couldn't break that crap up. And I didn't want to keep talking to people and having to keep turning around and blowing my nose and blah, blah, blah. And I was just, because I wasn't even sick. I was just congested. I'm like, man. So uh, uh, I went past the FN booth and Black Rifle Coffee had a booth set up in the FN booth. And they were giving out coffee. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't a line. I just saw people going to get coffee. And I was like, well, it's hot. And I saw the steam like when the girls were pouring it. I'm like, well, it's hot. Let's see if this the hot coffee can break up this congestion. And I went and drunk it, and I did. It was hot. I was, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I blew it, blew it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I drunk the coffee. And next thing you know, I, you know, congestion came out. And about 15 minutes later, I was fine. So I was like, oh, okay, what? So it served that purpose. I will, be, uh, I will be bringing a container of uh, Korean, Korean hot spices, uh, the gochujang, for anybody who likes Korean food, to SHOT Show next time we go. So in case there's a lot of icky stuff you can have a spoonful of that it will definitely clear up any of your congestion for sure <laughs> yeah i'm um yeah that that helped but other than that man i'm not drinking well i i like the people that side with me with creamer because they start calling it bean water like coffee bean water. <laughs> bean water i'm like you're damn right you know and it, and it became a running thing so um the six creamers came from uh jara hutchins uh clearing the chamber cool she um she actually yeah, she posted paid, it yeah, mm-hmm. she and, and it, it went. It took off from there. Um, she put. Um, <laughs> she actually came to St. Louis. And were we doing training? Right? We were. She was in St. Louis for something, and I was escorting her around. And <clears throat> we went out to brunch, and we were sitting there. And I told the lady, "I'm like, hey, bring me like all the cream, all the creamers." And she brought me like a big old bowl of creamers, and I put six of them in my coffee. I stirred it up and I started drinking it, and she's just like stirring at me. Did you really just put six creamers in that coffee? I'm like, yeah, that's a perfect blend. And she took a picture, and there you go. That's and how she it happened. Made the hashtag, and it's stuck ever since. Oh man, that's that's what happens, was, man. You get into trouble when you uh, when anybody's got the cameras around nowadays. I don't know the backstory, but Mr. Greg T in the chat said something about flip flops, but he didn't know you well enough to ask you. So there sounds like a story behind that. No, Mr. Mr. Greg, who's a who's a, a great support. Greg is a great support. He's a good guy. Um, he started asking me to do flip flops, and I'm like, NOC flip. So the thing is, one of and I don't mind saying it. One of the one of the things that I'm going to do, you know, I say I always tell people like we represent um, much more than guns. Like we all do, right? We're, we're more than just guns, right? And so I, I try to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just make sure that the everyday common person can can stay stay, you know associated with me and my brand is it's, it's it is definitely a brand that supports guns uh however i want to do, start doing more stuff so i want to be the source where you know like family people can come and get different things you know uh we are going to be releasing a different line of stuff that you can just use in your home every single day right mm. like you cook you yeah and i do all those things i've had to take care of lawns i've had to cook blah 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 and so i believe i was talking about something like that and, and one day he was just like hey i need some flip flops like what? Flip flops, but I do wear flip flops a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I am a guy that will not, I guess we call them sliders, but I am a guy that is the sock and slider dude. I understand that people don't appreciate that, but I am. I will not wear the thongs, though, the little thong. Um, no, no, it's got to be the slip on sandals. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be the slip ons. I need some slip ons with some extra cushion. All right. But he was just like, yeah, I need some. I need some flip-flops. I'm like, you know, it's not a bad idea. So I've already started working on it. <laughs> so we well, may have some flip-flops. We um, may or may not have some uh, some socks to go along with them as well. How did the uh, how did the branded cigars come to be? And uh, um, and all uh, and that whole. I or how did you first get into cigars? And when did you decide I want to have my own cigar? Well, so my. Let me see how to give the technique. So my wife's dad, um, you know, uh, was like, hey, I want to let's go. Let's go someplace. This is a few years ago. He was like, let's go. Uh, let's take a ride. Just the fellas. Right. And we normally get together and have manly conversations, you know, and you know, get away from the girls and just go out and be the guys. And um, we were hanging out. And he took me to the cigar bar called Brennan's in St. Louis. And we go in there. He's like, you gonna smoke a cigar today? And I'm like, I, I don't. I guess. God don't smoke. I've never smoked cigarettes. I've never smoked weed. Mm-hmm. I, just not, I just never smoked. And he was like, well, here's the thing with cigars. Like, and he starts giving me this whole thing. And the 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 people in the cigar bar start hearing him talking to me. And so they're like, kind of like, oh, a newbie. And they come around and they're like, so, and this too, and this too. And then I just had people like giving me cigars. I'm like, this is before I knew how much cigars cost. So I'm like, all right, giving me stuff. Cool. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And we and, and I sit there and I smoke the cigar and I really I enjoyed the cigar I guess but it wasn't really the cigar it was the audience that was around the cigars the people mm-hmm. they were so mature they were so relaxed they were so just different right mm-hmm. like it's they're going around and they're laughing and they're or they're having business conversations and it was just a different environment it was just so I was like wow, this is like growth here. This is cool. I see why you come here, right? He's like, oh, yeah, the conversations are different. The people are great. A lot of business owners, uh, you know, and a lot of people that, that don't know about the foolishness. This isn't the place where you're going to have a problem because you stepped on somebody's shoe, right? People have much more to lose mm-hmm. than to be ignorant over stuff like that. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then I just started trying out different cigars here and there, uh, started figuring out what I like, what I didn't like. And that went on for about a year and a half. And then I was like, hey, you know what? I want to I think for what I call baby lungs, I think for people like me, there could probably be something that they'll appreciate more if they're going to enjoy the cigar. Um, and so I got with um, STL Cigars and I started talking to him. And he was like, all right, we're going to label these things. You know, this is a blend I've been working on. We're going to label these things and you can stick your label on them. I'm like, okay. But he was like, but you can't sell them. Like, what? Why? And I was like, oh, crap. This little, this little organization that I deal with all the time anyway called the ATF. Mm-hmm. That's why. Right. So you can't sell them. And so I didn't. Uh, you know, I never broke the law. I didn't sell them. So I said, all right, I, I bought them from him. And he can legally sell them. I bought them from him. And then I just gave them out to people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was like, all right. So at uh, SHOT Show, I gave out, what, 200 cigars. Um, so I just gave them gave them out to people. Uh, we even got uh, Argo for his release of the Bravo Oscar. He got a few right that were labeled for him and his brand and his gun. Uh, and you see, you see how nice I am to people. And you see how he just stabbed me in the back, you know. Uh, but you know, he, he got some, and he was able to pass them out because that was I was really I was really happy for him uh, releasing his gun. So I wanted to. That was my I surprised him with those. He didn't mm-hmm. know they were coming. 
I surprised him with those. I was really proud of him, what he had going on. Um, and that was it. And then after that, I was like, well, I can't sell them. So I would just continue to enjoy them um, and, you know, educate people. Uh, and I, I realized that when having a cigar, even with the people at SHOT Show, the tone of the conversations would change. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody would just relax. Yep. And then we, when you get that relaxed, we're not talking about, and I tell people all the time, you do not go to SHOT Show to talk about guns. No. Outside of being on the shot show floor. Mm-hmm. Once that floor is over with, it's kind of like, all right, man, how are the kids? You know, how's the family? You know, what's new in business? Mm-hmm. And those kind of conversation with, with a nice cigar, I realized, um, just went places, man. It's just nice. It was relaxed. And it was, like, <coughs> nobody took, took anything personal. It was like, how can you get mad when you're having a nice cigar that you've probably spent anywhere upwards of maybe 10 bucks or maybe 150 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. To sit and enjoy. You're not about to ruin your mood you know, <laughs> and arguing with somebody. Yep. So I was like, oh, I like the audience cigars bring more so than I like the cigars. Mm-hmm. I like the atmosphere of conversation it brings more so than I like the cigars. But I do like a nice cigar, but it's the maturity level of the individuals that also enjoy cigars that I find the most appealing. I have to say, I, we like, we obviously being from Miami, uh, everyone smokes cigars here. Um, I got into it in college just because you can't live around a bunch of Dominicans and Cubans and not get into cigars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what on average, like we only have, we, we limit ourselves because, you know, we're trying to be healthy. <laughs> not saying cigars are bad for you, Katie, you know, personal choices, but we right. do, we do. Um, I don't like to have one more than once a month, uh, but we definitely broke our quota. <laughs> Shot show. shot show yeah definitely pretty sure i had one but once a night mm-hmm. so i think those and i had two uh but it was definitely a good time and yeah years you made a delicious delicious cigar oh yeah it was yeah thanks i'm glad you guys enjoyed yeah, it's, it and you're not wrong though yeah you're, you're not wrong about the um about not have so when i when i launched stogies and straps um which i'll i guess we can talk about why i did that yeah but yeah when i was Go for it i I had a guest on, and every time I had a guest, obviously I would have a, a stogie. Man, I did that thing five days in a row. It's like, no, absolutely not. This is no, this is not cool. So I myself, as much as I do enjoy a nice stogie, uh, I myself, this is not like a New Year's resolution, uh, but I made the decision that I'm probably going to go down and maybe have one a week. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. uh, it's better than uh, nicotine. Obviously, doesn't have any of those addictive kind of things in it. But in cigar, look, there are tons of cigar smokers um, that, you know, the, the world oldest living man still had a cigar every day mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's, it's more natural, it's more pure. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not something I would personally want to do every single day. Um, normally, here's the funny part. When I do any kind of thing online, people will see me with a cigar. But if, if I'm not online, I probably don't have one mm-hmm. uh, because of the conversation. I find that it relaxes me as well. Yeah. When I'm having a cigar to even talk to people on camera, right? So if I can have one, and you know what else? This is why, so this is how Stogies and Straps came along. I was like, you know what? I might want to do this thing called podcasting, mm-hmm. right? But I want to talk about a whole lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff to life that I want to discuss. And I was talking to one of my friends about it. And I'm like, well, what do you think? And, you know, she was like, you know, that, that would be cool. And we're having a conversation. And in that conversation, we're talking about how conversations can get a little hostile. People can get offended. And, you know, somehow cookies came up and she was like, you know, I've never seen people fight while eating a good cookie. And so, you know, you start running through like your mind, like I've ever seen somebody fight with a cookie. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I've never seen that either. And then I started thinking about the maturity of the crowd with cigars. I'm like, well, holy crap. I don't see that happening with cigars either. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm into guns, right? And then I wanted to do something that was casual, that was fun, that was a little bit relaxed and loose, where people could just feel like, oh, this is just like just talking to the home, right? But we can still get good conversation. And so I was like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to call it Stogies and Straps. And we're just going to have a cigar. If you so you don't have to smoke. But we're just going to have a cigar. Um, we're going to talk about a gun that represents our the, the freedom to have the conversation, the freedom to be who you are and not have to worry about anybody hurting you because of it. That's why the guns are there. And we're just going to talk, man. We're just going to be relaxed. We're going to talk. We're going to laugh. And we're just going to have a good time. And I'm going to host it on IG. But Stogies and Straps, the beta test to see if I had the fortitude to actually have a podcast and to see if I could actually interview people. I've interviewed people on camera before. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. Um, I've done it for the NRA a, a bunch of times. I've done it in other places for other individuals, other organizations. But I'm like, okay, this is me. Uh, can I do it? Do I have the, cause I know, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but people don't realize how difficult what you're doing right now is. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I'm like, let me make sure before I say, yeah, I'm going to do something. And I'm like, I'm doing that crap. It's too much. Um, but that's how Stogie's Straps came about. And I just wanted it to be on a platform that everybody could get access to. Most people are on IG. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, we're just going to use the IG live feature and we're just going to get on here and let other people join live. And what started happening is I would start getting um, uh, DMs and stuff with people that are like showing 15 minutes and they'll be in their backyard with their cigars and their mm-hmm. drinks. And I'm like, oh, crap. People are really like getting their cigars and stuff and they're they're coming on the show and they're like smoking a cigar. You'll see the comments. They're like, oh, I'm having this cigar while we're enjoying this yep. conversation. I'm like, holy crap, this is really a thing, right? So um, I just decided to continue to run with it and do the Sogies and Straps show. Um, and that is going to lead into, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep the name because I because of Straps being in it, mm-hmm. uh, but that is going to lead into uh, a podcast. So I will be doing cool. a podcast next year. And the main reason I'm doing it is because everybody told me that I can't. It's a fun thing to do, man. And uh, it gives you a platform that you can control. You can do whatever you want. You can bring on whoever you want. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I definitely love doing a live show because the chat just makes it so much better. And I mean, you, you were doing stogies and straps and IG. So you, you know, you know how that is. Uh, you get good people. The trolls make it good sometimes too. When people come in there and start talking crap, because then that gives you something else to talk about uh, and to jump in there. And it just keeps things fun. Like if I, if we did a pre-recorded show, I don't think it would be half as good or, or we'd absolutely, have, we wouldn't have as much fun. Like if YouTube ever goes crazy and like, you know, with the crackdown on, on, you know, pro second amendment stuff or anything that's, you know, against their political agenda, like I'll, I'll find any other platform that lets us stream live. That's what I would go to. If I have to upload videos, I don't know if I would do it the same way. I wouldn't have the passion, but, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and we really enjoy it a lot and it's kind of allowed us to push our advocacy in a different direction. Um, I think, you know, people like seeing that we're a husband and wife team. We get a lot of good feedback. We love doing it together. Uh, I mean, how awesome is it to work with my wife and, you know, we get to talk about things that we're passionate about and, and share it with other people. So it, you get like, uh, your regular listeners become like your family or, or your good friends after a while and you get to know everybody and it's pretty awesome. So I would love to see a KD podcast. I think it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, thank you. It's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to go all over the place. Parenthood. Yep. Relationships. 
um, a lot of people don't know that when uh, when you guys don't see me on camera, I am essentially um, I'm going to get the, the title or whatever, but already and it's really through aiming for the truth. I'm already doing mentoring, life mm-hmm. coaching. It's no different than what I did to you guys in that backyard. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I already, I already do those type of things. So I get involved in a lot of different conversations and I'm like, you know what? One other reason why I want to do it, why everybody's like, yeah, podcasting is dead. It's too saturated. Well, okay. That might be factual, but here's my thing. Even when it comes down to what we do, we need to be interwoven into pop culture in every day people's lives. Right. Absolutely. So if I can get on, if I can start a platform and talk about everything across the, every topic that comes up and get some good guests on there and from different genres and get them to talking and there people come listen. But then you know that that show is actually being, you know, anchored by someone who strongly believes in the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Then they might not know that when they come listen. Yep. And they might come back and listen four or five times. And then when guns are presented to them, they're going to be presented in a way that I'm like, oh, crap, well, I already kind of like this dude. You know, and I already like the content. So I'm going to go ahead and listen to what he has to say. Great. Yep. Then it just becomes another conversation that we have with everybody else that might come for different reasons. It's the same thing. Um, that I did with um, with firearms when I first came out and people would see pictures of guns and stuff. I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You think you got another gun guy, and then I started hitting them with that with those history conversations and you know different angles. I'm like, yeah, you came for the guns, but you stayed for the education. Yep. Right. You stayed for the different dialogue. You stayed because we did push the boundaries and weren't afraid. And a platform that's built off maturity and respect. Like I don't I don't entertain too much foolishness. I'm not saying something's not there. Don't get me wrong. But I wanted it to be a place where the adults, the adults could come talk. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. If I have a legit question, I'm not trying to be an a-hole. I'm going to ask it, and I'm probably going to get a response. All right. Uh, that way we can continue to go and learn together. Uh, hey, can I can I plug something real quick? Of course. We... Sure. Yeah, by all means. Go for it. So um, I don't know if we were naturally going to get into it. Uh, however, there is this uh, big thing going on with the um, – Polymer 80 yes. and the ATF uh, has went uh, to a dozen, give or take, doors and taken it. They've also, uh, they raided Polymer 80. They visited Brownells. They visited mm-hmm. Midway USA and several other people. Um, so Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, which is very active, they've decided to jump in and start defending people and filing lawsuits and things like that. So I wanted to do my part to help those guys out. So, um, and one other thing the ATF is going after is the braces, mm-hmm. the pistol braces. So on NoOtherChoice.com, over on our website, um, the braces we currently have in stock, which we're down to half, um, big shout out to Tony Simon. Uh, Tony and uh, 2AE supporters today actually got a couple of them. Awesome. Uh, we had another individual order them. Um, everybody that orders with the current stock I have of the SB, uh, SB3, SBA3 braces, um, we're going to take 100% of the proceeds and donate that to FPC to help out with the lawsuits with PA. Um, oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I would. I'm, I'm asking everybody if you're out there listening, if you want to buy it for a Christmas gift for somebody else, if you know you're going to do a build and you just need another one around, they're the same prices you could get them everywhere else online, but not any more expensive. I just ask that you go over to NoLaChoice.com and buy them. Make me sell out, man. I want to sell out tonight so I can send FPC uh, a donation tomorrow um, and get them some money to help out with these lawsuits. I mean, that's very important that we have federal agents going door to door to Americans' homes taking their stuff. Yep. Right. And if FBC wants to launch a lawsuit, that could be vital because this lawsuit could set precedent that it's not okay to go door to door and take people's mm-hmm. stuff. So we want to make sure that we get them all the support that they that they can get in this fight. So please head over to NewOrleansChoice.com, 
buy the braces. I mean, buy other stuff while you're over there, right? But buy the braces so I can sell out of those dang things so I can send them a check. That's awesome. If you haven't sold out by our next show, um, I'll ask you before the show next week. I'll definitely plug that again because that's an amazing thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, that not only will you be getting a product that is useful and that you need, but we'll also be supporting the fight for our rights yeah, and that's, against and, the ETF. Yep, and that's putting your money where your mouth is. So that's, yep. mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking to people over the last few weeks about, uh, you know, uh, 3D printing and things like that, trying to become more self-sufficient with the things that you can do uh, when it comes to your rights, whether that's, you know, uh, your freedom of speech or your Second Amendment rights. I think, uh, you know, building your own firearms and being able to do that kind of incorporates both because you need the knowledge, obviously, and the expertise that's protected by the First Amendment in order to build things and to design things and to spread that knowledge everywhere. And then, you know, your Second Amendment right obviously gives you the right to defend yourself. And, you know, whether that's through buying a firearm or uh, building your own, you have the right to do both. So, you know, anything that infringes upon that is uh, obviously a strike against freedom and something that we're opposed to. So, and, and I, I kind of want to go back to what we, you were saying before about uh, the podcast, about the importance of pop culture and kind of spreading mm -hmm. that through. And that's something that I've been hearing a lot more about people, I guess, uh, I don't know if you want to call it conservative or freedom-minded, I I guess, I guess on the anti-right side, they would lump every anybody that's against, uh, you know, against more government control. They would say that we're all the same in their eyes, uh, regardless of the nuance. But um, I, I th that's something I've been hearing. That's something that's very important because I think that that's something that we don't do as a movement very well. We embrace our rights. We embrace the logic and we embrace history and facts and a lot of those things. But we don't have a good way of making it seem cool and appealing to a lot of other people without for, you know, as, as mundane as it is to say it that way. That's really what it comes down to. It's are these people actually cool? Are these people that I would want to hang out with and get a drink with or smoke cigars with? And I think that that's critical to really, uh, you know, kind of spread and show that we're multifaceted. We're not just people like look at those crazy gun people over there. Like they just want full auto weapons and they just go out in the woods and start shooting things all day and blowing stuff up. I was like, well, yes, we do do that, but <laughs> that, that, that's not what defines. That's not, that's not what defines everything. So I think giving people a glimpse of that other side really helps. And, uh, and I think it's awesome that that's what you're trying to do to really spread the genre show that, Hey, there's more to KD than just guns, you know? And that's something that we try to that we've tried to push too. I mean, we've got you know we've got all the the comic stuff behind me here. We play video games and things like that, and that's one of our goals too to kind of bridge the gap. Uh, you know, one one thing that we've wanted to do is to start streaming us when we play video games. We usually play shooting games; they're not always realistic, but uh, to really kind of create that casual sense of hey, we're here doing something fun. And while we're doing this, we can have conversations about rights or, or deeper stuff um, and kind of throw it in there in a casual sense. And almost I don't want to say that's like a trap, but, uh, you know, kind of lure people in with something else and then start having more big boy and big girl conversations and use that as an in and show, look, we're normal people. Uh, we're a normal couple. Joe and I don't work in the firearms industry, you know, training or manufacturing or competition or anything like that. I work in IT. She works in healthcare. So a lot of times that gives us 
uh, it gives us a different approach that we can come in and let people know, hey, we're Second Amendment advocates. Usually people are very surprised. They're like, you guys own guns? And they're like, no way. I wouldn't think that you'd be the kind of people that own guns. I was like, well, what kind of people own guns? Like, what does that even mean? And just even that starts a conversation right there that they weren't expecting and it gives you an in. Because you just start like, well, what kind of people do own guns? And you kind of turn it around on them. And then they have to kind of think like, well, I don't really, I don't even know what I mean when I say that. Exactly. So let's, let's go from there. So. Exactly. That actually happened to me last week. I had um, a patient who I've known for like probably 10 years. He's uh, pretty young, probably around our age. Um, he's a vet. And I, again, Better, have a little vet, Veterinarian or veteran? A veteran. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we got to ask because we run into vets too, into uh, veterinarians too. So, yeah, he, I don't know. I would just like find a way to slide it into conversation. I'm pretty sure I was like drawing blood or doing something and something where he was distracted. And I just, you know, sneak my way into the conversation of guns where I could just feel it out. And then he's just he's just like eyes popped open. He's like, you own a gun? And I go, I don't own a gun. I own many guns. And he was like, this is, makes no sense. I've known you forever. I never would have known this. And I'm like, he's like, it points to my best friend, who's, by the way, a very scary Puerto Rican woman with hands that can peel a, a coconut. Hi, Ma, if you're watching. Um, he points to her and says, that one I would expect to own guns, but not you. So it's definitely... It's not a trap, you just said. It's getting people to see you as a human uh, and breaking that stereotype of... We're getting static. Mute yourself real quick and then... I don't know if you can hear it in the chat. Mute yourself for longer. Yeah, chat can definitely hear it. It's just me. No, it might just be me. Do we dance now? Like, what are we doing? We're seeing me. Try muting Katie. Katie? sabotaging no i'm just kidding um the chat thought it was the aliens and hopefully if we put him back on do you think it'll go away well you figure that out um i'll finish my statement so basically it's not a trap like you said it's um finding a way to humanize yourself to people so you can have those conversations and they don't prejudge you um with that preconception of what a firearms owner um, is. And that kind of opens their minds up. I have, there's a great picture on 
Instagram. I don't know who took the picture. It was in SHOT Show and it was, I was standing with a bunch of different women. Um, I think it was at the Bravo Oscar launch and there was a, a caption that said, um, you know, something about, you know, the future of firearms owners or not what you're expecting firearms owners to be. So it definitely is really important um, for everyone just to take that approach of remembering to humanize yourself when you're having that conversation, um, not because you should have to, but because we're coming into this with a lot of stigma um, and a lot of misconceptions that we have to fight before we get any work done, unfortunately. So, go for mm -hmm. it. Yep. Let, let me drop KD off and bring him back. Yep, I can hear you. It's a static. Katie's back. Okay. Cool. Katie, can you hear? But anyway, fantastic show. In okay. Case anyone now, needs now it's all good. Cool. Watch. Perfect. Check it out. The Expanse. Their season five is coming out next week. <laughs> there you go. Bring in uh, pop culture and all that back into. It. So, uh, Katie, I know that we've had you here for a while now. What can you tell us? What's 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 next in store? You told us about Train and Learn. And some of the things that you want to do there. Uh, obviously, you told us that you want to start a podcast next year. Uh, I know that you recently relocated to Atlanta. How has that gone for you? And um, and and where, where are you going from uh, as far as that's concerned? Has that has moving to Atlanta helped you kind of uh, think about ways that you want to expand, or or how about or has it given you more access to other people that you haven't been able to work with as uh, as easily? Uh, in the past, just because they were further away, how's the how's the move been? The move's been good. I mean, we we did move through this pandemic, um, so that's going to come with some some challenges or you know things of that nature. So I haven't had a chance to truly break off into the area now. As far as being around more people, yeah, a lot of um, people come through this city, <laughs> a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, absolutely, I've been able to interact with a lot of people a lot more. St. Louis is um, it's a little bit more, you know. Kind of not like the hot spot to travel. So, yeah, a lot of people don't come through there. But, yeah, a lot of people come through here. So it's good that way. I'm not going to complain, man. You know, uh, I was just talking uh, about this today with the way that the world is going right now with a lot of people that are really suffering uh, from the effects of this COVID-19 thing. But the last thing I'm going to do is complain. We're, I'm truly blessed. You know, like so we're still making do as far as business goes. Uh, and I can't wait till everything opens up. I am primarily doing my training down here. I feel traveling trained. Uh, moving from St. Louis did kind of accelerate a few things because uh, I could I had the hyper focus. Uh, so we do no other choice. Is, is the cool thing about that is I was already working on instructor development to have some other people come in so we can provide, you know, the mentality of training to other places uh, simultaneously. So uh, I was able to actually bring on um, a total of three uh, instructors. So we're actually going to next year be launching continuous training in St. Louis, Tennessee, um, and Illinois. Oh, that's At awesome. the same time, uh, we've also, you know, NorthernChoice.com uh, has been a big thing since we got down here. Um, so that's only been up for maybe a month, a uh, month and a couple of weeks, if, if that. Uh, but it's been, uh, you know, we're working on uh, growing that business. So we have uh, two different locations to help support it and three people to help support the website. So that's uh, one location is still based in St. Louis. And clearly we have the location here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, there are some some other plans in the work for expansion of the business where we can continue to train Americans. Um, so, yeah, that's going good. So it's forced me to kind of sit down and focus on some of that stuff. Um, 
what's next besides that? Uh, when we talked about train and learn, continuously making that bigger and better every single year. Um, some things, you know, we already kind of spilled the tea on putting a, the gun in the museum. Uh, we're going to have a lot of, um, let's just say no other choice will have its own independent home base as well. We're going to, you're going to actually be able to come to the no other choice range. Like that is going to be a thing. That is my next. Cool. Um, where, where would this location possibly be located? <laughs> oh, these locations. Um, Ooh. You know, um, but the location, the original location will be uh, in or around the Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, uh, I want an outdoor location, so more than likely it'll be out. It'll be, uh, you know, outside of the area. Uh, but we are actively looking into that now. Uh, right now, I do have uh, another uh, a good good buddy of mine. Somebody was able to kind of give some life advice to opening uh, his range as well. So I'm, I'm quite I'm happy to be a part of a lot of different expansions of different things with different people. Uh, but mine will be coming, um, and I'll there's going to be a lot more to it than it just being a range. Uh, but I'll keep that myself right now uh, until we get some things moving but you will be able to actually that is a thing within a couple of years you will be able to come to the actual no other choice range and we won't be leasing or borrowing our primary location from anybody um, and then I plan on putting that wherever my um, instructors are so we're talking about five ten year plan here uh, but we will we will um, make it happen uh, because I I want that to grow I'm going to be next year also heavily focused into the um, uh, aiming for the truth as soon as I can get people back in groups, you know, like going to schools right now is like next to impossible and for obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to be a big push to getting that um, getting that back up and going. Aiming for the truth took a big hit when, when COVID came. Uh, we're going to get that back up and moving around the country like it should. And also, you know, just on a, a different note, for me, uh, there will be a lot more uh, public speaking, um, a lot more mentorship that takes place outside of guns, uh, life coaching, things like that. Um, that have nothing to do with the gun. Just has everything to do with human beings and there's mm -hmm. different struggles in life. So we'll be having a lot of those conversations. So sometimes you'll see me in, you know, some uh, tactical pants with a belt on. I'll teach you people at the range. Other times you'll see me in a, a polo shirt and some jeans, you know, sitting in front of a group of people and giving them life skills, uh, some business advice and things of that nature. So it's going to be an interesting year. We're, I'm going to be growing in a, a lot, of, a lot, a lot of different ways uh, to get out there and really um, do everything I like, man. I want to I want to do everything under the sun that I know that I have a little bit of talent at. Uh, so yeah, we'll still be doing a gun thing. We're going to expand on that. Please support the website. You know, that to me was um, a big deal that one of us, when I say us, I mean, one of, one of the grassroots advocates was actually able to build a commerce site. Right. Mm -hmm. And one that we're steadily making better. We're always going to be making it better. Um, so Go support it. You know, nootherchoice.com. Go support it. Um, things are on order at a, at a, at a at, you know reasonable prices. I mean, hell, I'm um, the only time that I've known of this to happen, and that's the cool thing about being grassroots and having a little bit of sense of being able to control your own destiny. Is that whenever I do, like I call it my live episode deals. Like so, whenever somebody listens to me on live, I always put something on sale on the website only doing that live. Right. So it's called mm -hmm. the live episode deal. Like yesterday, you were able, or the day before, you were able to go get thirty round magazines for ten dollars. Nice. All right. So um, and I got that commerce site not as a way to get rich. I mean, obviously, capitalism is a thing. Right. But mm -hmm. that website is primarily geared for making sure people have a way to communicate and talk outside of uh, social media for censorship reasons. Right. A way we can always stay in touch and a way that um, people can get more of what I want to offer. You know, people like, hey, write about this or write about that. 
I am, I'm not going to spill the, the details. I'll come back on to talk about it later, but I am working on a book that is awesome. actually happening. I am working on a book. I am also going to, um, to make sure that the website itself is a funnel for all that information, like blogs and things like that. There will be blogs for you to read product reviews for you to read on the site. And no other choice is, is, is truly more than me. So, um, I was happy to say that the first two individuals that we brought on board, it was my way of, uh, not only, uh, helping them expand themselves in a the two way industry, they're just not ready for their faces to be seen yet, but they're, they're coming out. Um, they, it's also, uh, it was, I was happy to be able to, to my first two, I call them partners or military veterans. So actually able to help these guys, uh, that served us able to give them a platform to get their start on. Right. So, uh, able to do that with the, with the military vets that I'm, I'm fortunate to be close to um, and be able to expose people to writing and blogging. I am a platform that is open and I've already extended. Even my first blog isn't written by me. I'm also going to use it as a way for other people to get a little notoriety, right? So if you're actually want to write about something and you have a good idea, present it to me and I'll give you my platform to share it. I'll give you the blog space to share it on the website. So it'll be much more than me. It'll be a place to come in and hear other people's opinions other people's viewpoints because it's not just about me that's why anytime i write i say we because there truly is a team behind this and i would like for everybody else um that's associated with freedom to to go support it because you're not just supporting me you are but you're also supporting um a lot of individuals including some veterans that are that are out there that could use some support and some assistance that's no that's great and and like i said before it goes down to controlling your own platform uh, is essential because one day these people, they can just kick us off of everything. We could be off of IG, Twitter, and all this stuff uh, at the click of a button. So having your own place where they can't stop you and you control the message and what you, the products that you have and who you who writes and all that stuff is essential and that you can uh, spread that love to other people. That's awesome. By the way, your website is very nice. I just checked it out and I really like the falling ammo graphic thing. That's pretty oh, cool. Like yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, your website's awesome. You have a ton of stuff on there. Um, for I know you talked about. Let me the, see if I can bring it up so the chat can see it real quick while we're the, the brace. But he also has magazines and medical kits, scopes, lights, and then cool gear. I love your logo. So beanies, hats, shirts. Um, so everybody, definitely check it out and support him. Thank you very much. Go. This month alone, we are going to be adding upwards of twenty-six more products. Mm -hmm. Nice. For the site so you're going to be able to um i will tell you this um because we do deal with you know people people that are newer and have a lot of questions and sometimes gear is a question so with the things that we're adding on top of the stuff we already have you're going to be able to go so i'll say this because it's documented people know i said it here so we're also going to provide a place a one remember this even including training i understand money is a real thing and money can be a little hard for people sometimes and that's not anything to be embarrassed about it's, it's just real life um for different reasons so over on the website, we've also included um, the option for you to, if you want to get into a training class, great. You can get into the training class and finance it for four months interest-free. Cool. Right? It's, it's all about thinking about real people and their real issues, right? So you can go over there. You can shop to your heart's content. You can finance the stuff you get, including training. And on top of that, we're going to be coming out with shooters kits. So we'll have kits on the website and bundles on the website where if you are newer or you know maybe you've been shooting for a while, but you're like, oh, I got to go here to get this. We're going to have kits that are from boots to pants to shirts, jackets, range bags, everything you need in a range bag from your staple gun to your markers to like everything. 
to where you can go on there and get one kit, including with your training, finance it all over four months, interest free, and hit the range and be ready to go. Rock and roll. Right. Um, uh, be on the lookout um, in early January. We will be launching our No Other Choice custom holsters. They will also be on the website. Um, and the holsters are pretty, pretty cool. Um, so you'll be able to go over there and get holsters and everything else. So we're really trying to make it a one-stop shop for everybody and what they need. So like I said, it's been up a little bit over a month that we've been talking about it. This month alone, we're adding 26 products. I think in January, we're slated to add an additional 10 to that and about three or four other services. And we're also adding, not three or four services, actually, I think we're going to be having um, probably up to seven different services. A few of those are going to be where you'll actually be able to go on there and interactively schedule a one-on-one -on -one training class in person and online, right? So if you want just a one-on-one -on -one thing or a safety class for your kids or whatever, or up to the high profile stuff, you'll be able to click it a little bit more interactively and schedule out your own custom training that way. We're also going to be launching probably spring on the site. We're going to be launching the option to uh, sign up for our training uh, material. All right. It, I'm, I'm trying to hit the mark of $2.99 a month now, but you'll be able to go up, become a member of no other choice you'll be able to go up become a member and you'll have access to continuous training videos and they won't just be by me i'll also bring other competent instructors in to share information with you guidance that you can just learn right from your home all right so we, we got a lot of plans for that website that sounds awesome i'm excited for it. you definitely have the chops for it so i'm really uh glad that to see you growing not just in firearms uh training but in all these other fields and i'm also really happy to hear about the blog and the written um, you know, the written stuff you're going to go for the book, because I am a big fan of the written word. Um, so kudos to you. And uh, Mr. Greg in the chat says, sign up for the email. He doesn't spam you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, I won't spam you. So right now, uh, because I understand people are getting um, a ton of emails, right? Because it's like it was like Cyber Monday and Black mm -hmm. Friday. Blah, blah, blah. We've only sent out one email. One one and i was going to send out and when we do send them out we're only sending them out once a week i am not going to email you more than once a week right um the email another reason to sign up for the email list is that's where we're going to have all of our industry partners the email is going to be the main way to get their discount codes we can send you other places and save money it's all going to be in that email right so um you can miss a social media post right but people will check their emails and you'll have a documented record of where you can go you don't have to say dang what was that code again or where do i go you know we'll send it over to you in an email and to greg's point i'm not going to spam you i do not like when people do me like that right so you'll get one a week it'll be full of information and then we'll follow it up the following week with another piece of information um and obviously whatever we have on sale and um things of that nature so we're not going to bother you. We're going to have a site that I want you to feel comfortable interacting with, a place that you can go, a place that's not going to chase you. We're not going to come hunting you down and telling you come back and buy this and make sure you do this and do that. I mean, obviously, there will be a certain measurement of that because we need people to go to the site and use it for, you know, when people search it, it pops up, you know, because people are looking for it. But no, man, go sign up. We're not going to spam you. not going to bother you. Uh, we're going to put a lot of different resources out there. And this is not like a play on emotions or, or anything like that, but you you every every gun business is not in the business of freedom no that's absolutely true that unfortunately is <laughs> so you understand that this business is in the business of freedom um and i yeah. saw somebody ask are the holsters going to be owb yes so you will actually have holsters you can uh, carry outside the waistband over on the website um it is it is going to it is a, a place where you know that when you go over there the people behind it wholeheartedly believe in your freedoms 
And that's why I'm putting my money, uh, my 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 uh, my money where my mouth is when it comes to those braces. I'm not keeping the profits. I'm going to send them to FTC. All right. So if, buy what I have in stock, or I can send those guys a check. Um, and and I want to make sure you have EDC options. We're going to have stuff that's affordable. There will be some stuff on there that if that's your taste, um, if you want to, if you know, if you like the higher end stuff, sure, we'll provide that for you. But we're also going to make sure that you don't have to feel shame like you can't afford to shop on a light. We got EDC flashlights right now for thirty bucks. Right. Because I am, a, I am a guy that understands this thing from the from the entry level up. I'm not just going to try to say, "Hey, I'm only going to have this, the great cool stuff over here." Because when you go here, you're going to get the you're going to get like the the high the highest of high what the military operators carry. Yeah, it'll be stuff there like that. But let's let's be honest, man. Every American can't afford that stuff. What you do want is something you know that's going to work, that you can rely on, and that's been tested and tried. There is not anything on that site that I haven't used or haven't um, went to people that I trust to give me product reviews on before it goes on that site. Everything up there works. You're going to know it's working. And I'm, I'm conscious of making sure myself and the team, because we actually sit down as a small group and discuss certain things to put on the site to make sure that we're holding each other accountable to make sure we're considering the average day working American. Right? Can the average American afford this? Can they go out and get this? We need a way for them to finance it if they can stretch their money over a few months. We we need to educate them. So let's make sure we can educate them. Hell, they need to hear from more than just one person. So let's make sure they can get opinions from more than one person. We can use the blog platform for that. Let's make sure when they go look at, they're not intimidated. Like, oh man, I really need a flashlight, but I don't have 275 bucks to spend on one. Cool, we got one for $120 for your gun. And we also have a, a handheld for 30 bucks that work. You don't have to worry about whether they work or not. So just... The consideration of the everyday American people up to the carpenter all the way over to the operator. We're making sure we can provide for individuals. Uh, th that is a site that's being built, heartfelt for the American people, a place where they can go that has thought about them first from the ground up by people that they know from years of proof that stand by you and your Second Amendment rights. And we will put our money where our mouth is at times where we can, just like now, taking you know, all the, the proceeds from the braces, giving to Firearms Policy Coalition. And whether people realize it or not, every single time you buy something from the website, I am taking some of those profits and storing them up for Aiming for the Truth, where I can continue to run that program. So every single time you go over there, you're not only helping me and the team, you're also donating to charity and doing much more. We are a, a gun business that's in the business of freedom. That's a great way to put it. And uh, and it really is important, too, because when you think about it, uh, a lot of people take for granted, especially those of us that live in states that are more free than others. You know, the 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 entire the process of owning a firearm for a lot of people is cost prohibitive because not only do you have to spend a few hundred bucks to buy the firearm, find ammo um, in some states, they make you pay for the licensing. Some states, it's pretty expensive. It's like. 50% of the price of the gun in some cases with some of the restrictions you have to have with mandatory classes, licenses, uh, and the permitting that you have to go through. So any business that you can find that tries to make that easier for you. And I think the financing thing is great because on top of that, you know, so many people are like, well, I can buy the gun. I can get the ammo. But now after all this, like, man, can I really afford to get training now? Like I'm already out like six or 700 bucks. Like that's a lot for, you know, a single mom or somebody that's just trying to get by. So that's pretty awesome that you offer that for people. And I think that's, um, it might be something that we start seeing a lot of other people do when they see the impact they can have. So I'm yeah. sure that you'll get positive feedback from that. 
I, and, and you know what, man, to be totally honest with you guys, you know, like, you know, <laughs> I get it. I get it. And I understand it. And I appreciate it that mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, want to let's just be real. It's all about marketing to a degree. So everybody wants to look top of the line operator, all the cool stuff, you know, mm-hmm. look, I get it. I got it. I got that stuff. I got a, I got a rifle right now with $6,000 worth of crap sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I get it. I got expensive handguns. Hell, my custom handgun is expensive. Right. And people notice that I don't push people to buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is for it is a price point that is that is real. And we have to understand that. Now, some people have it. I'm not saying people don't have disposable income because they damn sure have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I never wanted to be the guy. Yeah, I got I, you can see me with the night vision and all that. I got all that. I got all that stuff. I got some pretty cool stuff, man. At the same time, like. I come from humble beginnings. So to me, it's like always keeping that person in mind. You know, like, are we so busy being operators and top tier people that we forget about the people that just can't do that? Or maybe just don't want to do that. Like, like, even if they got the money, they're just like, I'm not doing that crap. I just want to go to a source that's, yeah, you can, you can have stuff for all that, all those other people, but don't forget about me in the process, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted to be. That's another reason why I don't put up training videos. I don't put up a crap ton of training videos. One, I don't feel like spending eight hours recording something and editing it and putting it out and then spending eight months arguing about it for people that never do it, right? Mm-hmm. Just it's a waste of my energy and a waste of my time. And I'm not the first person to think about, obviously, online training, but I, I thought that it would be a great thing for me to add because, you know, thousands of students trained under my belt and I don't get complaints, Right. So I figured, you know, for three bucks a month, I can put something out there that you can sit and you can watch over and over again. And you're not going to be distracted by the dumb comments because they're not going to be there. You'll be able to just focus. Right. You'll just be able to focus on you and what you want to learn. But I will you will be able to drop any questions, though, and either me or one of the other instructors will respond to you. So you still get a response. And we're going to include uh, uh, Skype calls with that. So if you need a Skype call. After if you really can't do it, we will set up an appointment in Skype call and go over the information you obtained in the video if you are concerned about anything. Right. So we're, we are truly trying to be there and revolutionary uh, revolutionize how people think about the every average day American. Wow. Yeah, we do some pretty cool stuff. I mean, I've, I've been there, done that with some of the world's best. But at the end of the day, we still put our pants on the same. You know, I still have the same questions and concerns about general life as everybody else. So I want people to know that I'm just you, man. I'm just you. That's who I am. I'm just you. And I hope you realize that. And when you have an opportunity to support, I'm not saying you shouldn't support other great people that are doing phenomenal things in the world. Uh, But when you come into this sphere, I would hope that you know that my every waking moment is thinking about you. So I hope you give me a chance and you think about me. Awesome. All right, Joe, I think it's that time for your favorite part of the show. You mean Tony's favorite part of the show? <laughs> Tony's favorite part of the show, the Constitution Corner here. So this is, uh, like I mentioned before, Katie, this is usually how we try to finish every show. We go over an amendment in the Constitution in English and Spanish. We're finally at the 20th Amendment today. Very but apropos it, amendment today, by the way. It is. It is very apropos. So I think since it's a longer one, we'll do Section 1 and Section 2. Is that fair? Do you feel confident with that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. So the 20th Amendment, uh, Section 1, 
The terms of the president and vice presidents shall end at noon on the 20th day of January, and the terms of senators and representatives at noon on the 3rd day of January of the years in which such terms have ended if this article has not been ratified and the terms of their successors shall then begin. Section 2. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall begin at noon on the third day of January, unless they shall by law appoint a different day. So again, that was uh, sections 1 and 2 of the 20th Amendment, which was uh, ratified uh, on January 23rd, 1933. So, all right, Joe, let's hear it. Enmienda número 20, sección 1. Los periodos de presidente y el vicepresidente terminarán al mediodía de 20 de enero y los periodos de los senadores y representantes al mediodía del 3 de enero de los años en que dichos periodos habrán terminado. Si este artículo no hubiera sido ratificado y en ese momento principiarán los periodos de sus sucesores. Sección 2. El Congreso se reunirá cuando menos una vez de cada año y dicho periodo de secciones se iniciará al mediodía del 3 de enero, a no ser que por medio de una ley fija una fecha diferente. Not Ooh, too bad. That, that wasn't bad at all. That is so damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I actually, I, I tried and um, I took Spanish in middle school and maybe once. So I, and I didn't retain it well. I I butcher the Spanish alphabet. That's about the only thing I come close to remembering. Mm -hmm. I can I can butcher the alphabet. See, let me give it a try. Hold on. <clears throat> and don't laugh at me. All right, it's been a while, and I'm gonna butcher it, but I'm gonna try. A B C H D A F K H E K O T A K A L M N Y O P Q R R S T U U B W U X Y Z T A. That's not, not bad at bad. all, actually. Yeah, bad. that was really good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you you had a couple in there, but that wasn't bad at all, especially if it's been that long. Yeah, yeah so. I try to. So my wife is uh, really learning Spanish. Right? Like she kept saying, I'm going to bomb your podcast because she is like on the last two years on the Spanish kick. Like we go to restaurants now. She orders her food in Spanish. It's like amazing. Oh, uh, she kept saying she was going to bomb the spot podcast. So I um actually she'll run around and she'll try to ask me something. And then I was just like, all right, I'm going to try to spell it to you. <laughs> I try to spell it back to her. But no, I think the Spanish alphabet is so cool. And people don't know this, but I will say this here. I have no idea how big a, a fan I am of the Latino heritage and everything. Like I am all, I am so intrigued by everything south of the border. It mm -hmm. is very intriguing to me watching all the, the uh, one, of my, one of my philosophers in life has said that the reason that they believe that I'm so intrigued with Hispanic culture is because from a cultural stance, it mimics African-American culture and African culture, like with expressing yourself through dance, with um, mm -hmm. um, being passionate, with with uh, be such belief in, um, you know, uh, spirit, spiritual beliefs and stuff like that. They're really they're not the same, but they're very close aligned in ideals. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, and I think family too, uh, and family, uh, the yeah. huge family bonds and all that. Yeah, Definitely. So I'm really, really, really intrigued uh, and, and going to constantly want to know more about uh, the Latino heritage. I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. Well, you're always welcome to come on this little uh, corner of, uh, of uh, the Latin culture that we've got going on here. Uh, and, and that's something that we've wanted to do. You know, uh, one of the biggest inspirations that we've seen in the last year that we started getting into this is that uh, obviously it was r really like uh, 
guys like you, uh, Jay and, and Tony, that have kind of mentored us. And uh, I think one of the first guys that I really got into, and I think a lot of guys my age, you know, younger millennials, was Coleone. Uh, and and Coleone really showed uh, for me, uh, you know, even though, you know, I'm Hispanic, he's black, but he just showed that you could have a, a young minority guy. He's professionally educated, so he's a lawyer. I'm an engineer. And seeing somebody that came from a background that completely had nothing to do with firearms got into this and became one of the you know, biggest advocates. And I, I would say he's an entertainer as well, uh, in, in the firearms industry. And, uh, and I think it's great to see how he kind of came out. He brought up a lot of younger guys and then, uh, the community's just been building up. And like I told Joe, I feel like the black gun community specifically is going through a Renaissance right now. And you have a lot of great leaders out there again, like yourself, like Maj, uh, Coleon, Jay, Tony, and uh and a lot of great trainers out there and we have a lot of great women coming uh you know uh, black women coming through the firearms industry now too and and really getting their voice and that's something that we kind of want to see within the hispanic community and i know that joe and i we never really set out to well we want to be like the, the hispanics that everybody knows about um you know we wanted to inspire people the same way that we were inspired but as we've spoken more and we've been exposed to more people or, and guys like Edgar Antillon and, and um, you know, we'd love to meet Gabby Franco one day. But more people within the Hispanic community, we've realized, like you said, sometimes you just got to do it yourself. If you don't feel like you're seeing the change that you want to see, sometimes you just have to be the change. And hopefully, uh, even if it's not us that gains that kind of traction, if we inspire somebody else, that's the one that's like, oh, man. That's the, that's the guy right there that he, you know, he or she inspired me to get into this and to get into firearms. That's our goal, really. And, uh, and we've had a lot of fun doing it along the way. And you should continue yeah. to do it and never give up. And yeah. you know, everybody you named is doing phenomenal work. Um, you know, I'll go back way, way back to the Reverend Ken Blanchard, who's, who was yes. doing yep. with a gun before internet was even a thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, you fast forward and you get to the next big pop, which is a Coleone war. Uh, and you're right. Everything you said about him, right? He made it he made it cool to be a gun owner, right? His videos yep. were were great. The edits were cool. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was everything. And he didn't he didn't mind walking you through that journey. And look at the guy now. Right. Um, and look, help me out a lot. Help me out a ton. Right. Uh, yep. and, and, you know, became uh, became somebody that 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 really has stood strong and, and stayed constant, even though his popularity has skyrocketed. He's always straight true. To making sure he uh, he represents the Second Amendment in a very very strong way, and mm -hmm. then you got guys like Argo came up right behind that. Then next thing you know, you got the the Tonys, the Majes, the the KDs, the Ken Scotts, and so forth and so on. What I would say is this: um, from the minority standpoint, I believe the Hispanic community should look at us as a blueprint. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's mm -hmm. it's going to be it, it's it's going it is going to to be great in the end. But one one thing I will always tell you is that when you are in a lot of main a lot of mainstream America won't understand this and it's OK. But mm -hmm. when you are entering into a, a, something so polarizing like guns and you're you're a minority, it, there are things there that have to be broken down. You're going to get a crap ton of backlash. Um, oh, yeah. But you know what? When it comes to people listening, I've noticed something. The people that are listening don't talk a lot. They just listen. We get distracted by the ones that are speaking out against us. 
but the ones that need you are less vocal. They're just watching, right? And they're learning and you'll be needed. And then when it comes to other people, like Edgar has this way of doing things. You guys have your way of doing things, right? Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that I noticed a long time ago, which is why I don't mind doing different things and putting my own spin of things is because guess what? That young millennial, that that, that young millennial that listens to Coleon and loves cars and exotic cars, and nice watches and stuff like that. Yeah, we need New Order to drag that guy in there, right? We need yep. him to make to let them know that owning a gun is cool and I, I can still live a life and have a good time. Uh, and Cole Leon's a, a, a single guy, able to live his life and, and do all mm -hmm. kind of great things. And that represents a large portion of America. Then there is another yep. large portion of America that can appreciate a kid from the slums that's married, got wonderful mm -hmm. kids and a wife and you know, uh, does what I do and kind of represents the dad that gets off work and puts his tool bag down and, you know, takes a hot shower and gets a steak for dinner. And it's just an average day grinding blue collar American that wants to to see change and wants change and wants to be inspired and wants somebody to talk to him about, you know, his struggles in life. And the fact that, yeah, he's he's going to build up off of those struggles and he can't protect anything he builds unless he has a firearm. You know, uh, there's going to be all kind of different ways we bring it. Tony Simon has a different way of delivering this message. Argo has a different way. What we have to realize is that you have to look at what you were doing with the with the Latino community. You got to look at it like you're building a military, mm -hmm. right? And the military just doesn't have the army. They just don't have the Navy. They just don't have the Air Force, right? You know, mm -hmm. hell, we got Space Force now. <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. all, there's all kind of different things that we all can do. And I think where people, whereas advocates that enter into the realm like that we get we get trapped in this mental thing like oh well so-and-so is already doing it you got to mm -hmm. look at so-and-so like okay you might be the army i'm going to be the marine you know mm -hmm. uh and i'm going to do things in my way and put my spin on it and then guess what if you both are kind of like marines well what division is he attached to and then what division are you attached to Right. So you always have a different job that can be being done and you have to attack it like that. I think one of the big problems with Second Amendment advocacy and advocacy in general, and especially when you start kind of chopping it down to minorities, is everybody feels like um, there can only be one kind of that Highlander mentality and mm -hmm. that everybody has to do it a certain way. And if you don't do it like this, then you're not as strong. Stop making this a popularity contest. This is not a popularity contest. This is about freedom. So people mm -hmm. need to get off their, <coughs> their high horses of, well, I'm only going to listen to one Latino uh, gun rights advocate because certainly I only need one. No, they're still individuals. They're still people. They have different life experiences, different viewpoints. Um, I'm not going to say everything that New Orleans says. He's not going to say everything that I say. Edgar's not going to say everything you guys say. So mm -hmm. I wish that the general public would get off of that high horse and allow people that are bringing their message in their own unique way. For Christ's sakes, you guys are a young married couple. You're a freaking engineer and a doctor. For Really? <laughs> like you're going to have a total different outlook on life and no different than in the war being a lawyer. I can't say I'm an engineer and I can ask me to spell Tylenol. I might get lucky. Right. <laughs> so you guys are bringing a different dynamic and a different swag, if you will to it and we need you just as much as we need anybody else we need the guy that just started his page yesterday that's trying to figure this thing out we need him or her just as much as we need anybody else and i say the same thing to the women i talk to stop trying to be like everybody else stop trying to say you got to put on makeup before you get on a video damn it i want to see you on there with some curlers and a damn bun that's sideways you just woke up you had some on your mind and you want to <laughs>
I don't need another. I don't need another woman just to look at and be like, oh, my God, she's so appealing. No, I need heart. I need passion. I need fire because there are women that wake up every damn day that don't put on makeup, that are struggling with three kids, that don't know how they're going to make ends meet. And they need a voice. That voice is not going to be everybody else that's already out there. So be encouraged. Be strong that when every time you talk, you are resonating with someone. Someone needs your voice. Everybody's not going to listen to me. They're not going to relate to me. They don't like the fact that I wear hoodies. They don't like my logo, whatever their thing is. But they're going to need somebody else to go to, someone else to relate to. So every time you click that power button, every time you make a post, every time you get engaged, every single time you do that, you are inspiring somebody, whether you realize it or not. So anybody out there listening to this and you want to get into any kind of advocacy, don't worry about being cookie cutter. Turn the damn camera on, turn mm -hmm. the mic on and be you and be proud of being you and understand that there is somebody out there that needs you. They don't need anybody else. They are waiting to see what you say, what your opinion is, for you can motivate them, inspire them to go out and be or fight for whatever they want to. I am not worried about being anybody else. The beauty about being yourself is that there is only one you. Nobody can be you and they'll fail at trying to be you. So everybody, be inspired, man. When you're out giving your viewpoint, who you are, what you're doing, I don't give a damn how many black dudes start talking or how many black women start talking. I will encourage them, but I'm not worried about them being me. And actually, I've caught people trying to emulate me, and I'm like, please stop. It's too obvious, and all you're going to do is crowd a lane that is already okay. We need you over there because we're losing the battle over there because we can't get those people. Go get those people. Stop worrying about being popular. Stop worrying about Instagram posts. I tell people all the damn time. You look at my Instagram, it's 14.5 thousand people. Okay, my reach has been millions. Millions. I don't even worry about those numbers. I worry about the fact that I could get depressed and be like, man, Maj has almost 80,000 followers on Instagram and I only have 14.5. Nobody's listening to me. Let's forget the fact that the algorithm is keeping you down and not allowing your growth. But that's 14.5 thousand people with the people connected to them that are waiting to see what I have to say. So mm -hmm. that being said, I need everybody to be strong and be be confident that every single time they hear Joe's voice. That's a Latino woman, a woman and a Latino and a minority who's well-educated, who's a, who's a nurse, who's going to know different mm -hmm. things about different parts of life, who's going to bring a different experience, who has a different family culture that's going to be able to talk to you in a way that nobody else can do it. Same thing with Roe. He's going to have a different experience. Yes, he's an educated engineer. Yes, he's probably smarter than you in a lot of stuff, but he's out there fighting for you and he's going to bring the message in a way you need to hear it. And I don't give a damn how many other people out there speaking Spanish do it. You're going to need to hear them and what they are saying for you can be motivated and for you can get up off your ass and make sure you secure the best life possible. So everybody, please do me a favor. Wake up every day confident in the fact that somebody needs you. They don't need a cookie cutty version of anybody else. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear your passion. They need to hear your viewpoint because you, despite what the YouTube numbers say, despite what the Instagram numbers say, the Facebook numbers say, that one life, that one person, that needs to hear you every single day is who you should do it for and nobody else. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from, but I just want to. No, <laughs> no. That was, that, that was fantastic. I was like, man, we just got it. That's we, we're going to end it on that. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> the, and uh, yeah, no. And, and we appreciate the kind words, KD. It means a lot. And, and that's honestly, it, it's that passion that we saw from, from you and everybody else that really got us into this and it's infectious 
And anytime that we're like, oh, man, this kind of sucks, you know, people are are uh, are assholes or or all this stuff. We're like, you know what? There's a lot of dudes out there that've been doing this longer than us, and they've been through everything, and they've been through a lot worse. And we can call them up, and and we can just say like, man, this is what I'm going through. How do you get through this? And and it's been great having that and knowing that there's other people out there that have gone through things and that we're we're in the trenches, even if we're not, uh, you know, hanging out uh, every day or or doing stuff like that. We know that we're not alone. And I think that was the biggest, that was one of the biggest barriers for us to get through. It's like, hey, you know what? Maybe down in our area, people don't really sympathize or believe in our cause, and it's going to be a fight. But we know that everybody's going through that fight in their own individual battles all over the country right now. We all come together uh, and, and, you know, help each other out. And that's been a, a, a big motivating factor. Yeah. And, and so. that's – I'll shut up because I'll go on another rant. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Joe, did you have anything you wanted to say before we wrap it up? I did like go 20 minutes ago. No, I'm done. <laughs> no, no, are you sure? Go for it. Go for it. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll save it for another episode. Uh, G-Webs in the chat says we can edit out a bunch of Katie at, at certain points tonight and make him separate videos. We're going to make some Katie we'll make some rants. <laughs> we'll make some highlights for from this one for sure. Uh, well, uh, Katie, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great. Uh, definitely one of the best episodes that we've had. It's, it was a lot of fun. It was a Appreciate... lot of fun for us as well. Yes, definitely. I mean, they're always fun, but um, listening to you speak is always an honor and a pleasure. Mm -hmm. oh, you guys are too kind and it's been my pleasure to be with you um i've done a lot of oh we've been going at it three hours this is awesome yeah yep that was fun that was fun no i enjoyed it you guys are doing phenomenal it's a very easy relaxed platform to, to talk on you guys are are great help you guys i'm just i don't want to say it like you're like your kids or anything but i am extremely proud of you extremely. thank you thank you so much i think uh, argo j told us to give him a call after the show is over he's like all three of you guys give me a call I was like, okay, whatever, Jay. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> so that's it for tonight's show, everybody. Thank you so much for checking us out. We'll see you next week, Sunday. Oh. What's that? What's wrong? Uh, just a couple of things before you go. KD, uh, if you could give us where everybody can find you real quick. I know that you went over the website and everything, but let's end it off with uh, where can people find you on social media, your website and all that stuff, and what can they do to support uh, NOC or Aiming for the Truth? Um, great. So aiming for the truth. If you want to help out, if you don't know what aiming for the truth is, is my um, um, approach to holistic community healing, where we deal with aiming for the truth around violence to kill violence at its roots to build better pillars of society, thus have a more peaceful and uh, polite society. Uh, we deal with mental illness. We deal with addiction. We deal with uh, job skills to help people write resumes, literacy, uh, employment skills um, and all kind of different challenges. Uh, obviously, helping children out, helping fatherless kids out yes, and all those different things. Can I, um, all those different things. So that's GoFundMe forward slash aiming for the truth. Uh, when it comes to how to find me on all your social media platforms, including Parlor, it's the real NOC. So T-H-E-R-E-A-L uh, NOC on Instagram. Just put an underscore between real and NOC and it'll come right up. Maybe. <laughs> depending on how Instagram's feeling that day. Um, you can also follow KD of NOC on all your social media platforms. I don't have that on Parlor yet. Um, and noorthechoice.com. The website is going to be where I really want everybody to go over to noorthechoice.com. If you do nothing else, just sign up for the email list where you can come read blogs, interact with the site. Obviously, if you need something uh, related to help your two-way lifestyle, you want to support by swag, patches, mer merchandise, anything over there uh, is going to help everything that we do. So, uh, that's how you can find me. And please don't don't hesitate to interact and 
um, well, reach out to me. Awesome. Uh, as far as for us, you guys know where to find us. You're here with us every Sunday. Check us out on social media. All of our tags are on the uh, interface right there if you're watching with us on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast afterwards, uh, check us out at Locked Loaded Latinos, at Puerto Rican Pistolero, and Latina Locked N with the letter N loaded. And if you're interested in supporting the show, you can hit us up on subscribestar.com, locked-loaded-latinos. The link is in the description. Uh, that just helps us uh, you know, expand the show and, and go in different directions that we want to go. Uh, but uh, obviously the best thing that you can do is just like, subscribe, uh, share the videos, uh, spread the word. Uh, that's really what we care about more than anybody else. We want people to watch uh, and, and join the chat and have a good time. So again, thanks a lot, KD. Uh, thank you so much, everybody else. We're not going to have a guest next week, uh, but is I will be. Is next week Christmas or? No, no. It's uh, that next week is going to be the twentieth, so it'll be the week after is going to be the twenty seventh. So it'll be just after Christmas. So we're not taking any days off from the show or anything like that. I think the next thing that we're going to do is I'll be on Hank Strange's podcast on the twenty third with Control Pew. Uh, if you guys have heard, Control Pew is basically the patron saint of three D printing uh, firearm stuff at this point. So that should be pretty cool. Uh, check out his website, and uh, we're also going to be on Eric July's podcast at some point, if you guys have heard of him, Young Rippa. So he's pretty cool. He's uh, he's libertarian. He goes into pop culture, uh, libertarianism, and freedom, so that should be a fun conversation with him. But uh, again, thanks, everyone, uh, for sticking around with us tonight. It was a long show. It was one of the best ones. If you didn't catch us, hope you enjoyed the audio podcast, and everyone, uh, stay strapped, get clapped. God bless, and have a good night. Night, everybody. Yeah.